testing, testing. It seems to be working Abu Ladies and gentlemen, to the How to Be Unpopular podcast. This is your boy Todd, and today we have a special guest, Mr. Chris Nima. You might know this gentleman from Cirque du Soul, eh? He was the dude with the dog who jumped over the bike rack and ripped bowls like a ninja. Chris, do you want some yerba mate? Yerba mate, yes, yerba mate. This is the intro to the podcast. Got some coffee and some beer. Boom! All up in your grills. Real deal happening right now. That's right. What's up, buddy? Not much. I've uh, been thinking about rollerblading every once in a while. You know, you, you skate for 20 years or more. And uh, if you go through your teenage years dreaming of rollerblading and making rollerblading the thing you want to be, then it lingers with you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, those are like those developmental years if you spend them obsessing over one thing you're gonna think about that for the rest of your life it's gonna be ingrained into you and yeah that's the exact same thing that's happened to me with rollerblading so i want to do a bit of a disclaimer all right which is that i haven't been watching as many rollerblading videos lately and i'm probably gonna say suggest some ideas about where rollerblading could go in the future. But what I want to say is that where rollerblading has gone and where it is now is amazing. 
and rollerbladers are going further than they've ever gone before and they're exploring things that are so much further than anyone would have imagined back in the 90s and uh so none of the things that I'm about to say are at all a criticism of where rollerblading is going to be is is just like a kind of wild uh, or a random uh, collection of ideas about where I think some strategic directions for rollerblading or something or where I'm taking my skating uh, whether right now which is mainly on roller skates but at the same time uh, I do plan on uh, jumping back on my inlines again soon. Uh, what I want to want to do though is uh, imagine rollerblading uh, as something that makes rollerbladers' lives better, and I think it has done that for the most part. However, I think up till now, in a lot of ways, rollerblading has been kind of a religious thing in one sense where rollerbladers ask themselves what can we do to make rollerblading better and uh, if you look at videos people just do these crazy things sacrificing their bodies and uh, they get respect and they get to be innovators and they get to move rollerblading forward but at the same time it's like what they're getting from rollerblading sometimes people put making rollerblading and the collective ideology of this young sport making it move and making it greater before their own interests which is awesome and which will like you know for the innovators will give them kind of uh respect and like a place in rollerblading's history but at the same time one question i've been asking is uh, how can roller rolling, rollerblading, roller skating, doing things with wheels on our feet, attached securely to our feet, how can that make our lives better rather than how can I make rollerblading better and more respected by the public in general? Right. How can we make the activity of rollerblading, the experience, the immediate experience that people have on skates, how can we make that better as opposed to focusing on how it looks to people? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, I think unconsciously people are trying to prove rollerblading in a sense. Totally. You know, it's, it's really bashed in the nineties and you know, you've, everyone's seen the skate or, you know, the rollerblading is gay videos and everything like that. Everyone's experienced the kind of prejudice at skate parks and everything. And now, perhaps, that prejudice is being turned more towards scooter riders. I can't tell. Like, when I go to the skate park now, I see a lot of kids on scooters. Not as many young kids on rollerblades now. But, you know, I think, from my experience, you know, there's a kind of heavy emphasis on rollerbladers proving themselves improving rollerblading and you know showing that rollerblading was crazy showing that rollerblading could go further than any other action sport and uh really uh specializing the rollerblading skills 
to a degree where they can do insanely complicated things and like you know just kind of take take their skating to a really high uh intricate uh meticulous level which is like almost impossible like taking rollerblading into the realm of science fiction yeah where it's like superhuman which i think people have done for a long time like skating handrails is you know it's like as crazy as anything that olympic gymnast does you know it's a superhuman activity and it comes at a high health cost health risk you know a lot of people have hurt themselves and lost out you know long-term quality of life you know if people like jay dick for example blowing out all their joints be getting themselves to a place where they can no longer really physically rollerblade at a professional level and they've got to pay for that the rest of their lives and uh, it's this intense work that people have done has really pushed rollerblading uh, and the skills that rollerbladers have and the possibilities that are open to rollerbladers a long way. Uh, and at the same time, I, I see that people are going in different directions, though. You know, as people get older, they're realizing, okay, I'm not going to throw myself at a huge handrail and risk breaking my arms because, you know, I have a job to go to and, you know, a wife or family to support and uh, you got other responsibilities. So people are working on technique aspects of rollerblading and pushing those and going in directions that might not be as glorious and like as uh, superhuman or as dangerous, but uh, equally difficult in terms of technical skill yeah. required. Rollbutting can be very, very beautiful without being extremely dangerous. Yeah. Like it'll always be dangerous on a small level, but you can control that and not do things that are really stupid. Like you can choose not to do a drop rail or not do a mm. huge stupid gap. Um, and at the same time, you know, I have so much respect for the people that are able to do that and continue to do that. Yeah, and, and I love that it's an option for people. I love that you can do that. If that's what you want to do, if you want to yeah. get super crazy, you can do it. And and, and that's great about rollbutting. And it's even more impressive that there are a number of professional skaters and skaters at that level who've been skating for over you know 20 years who are able to safely do that who can do that kind of stuff and it's not a huge risk factor for them like i can skate a bowl or i can throw a 720 or maybe royale handrail and it's not a risk factor for me but you know like i've let some skills slide where you know if i throw on a pair of rollerblades i'm not going to try to kind grind a handrail right now you know it's like that's going to be a very high risk factor for me yeah. yeah but there are people that you know they do these crazy things and they've trained themselves to a level where they can try these things and not get hurt and it's not going to be insanely risky but at the same time you know for a lot of people it is insanely risky and they try it anyways and uh so it's like uh i i there's a uh, like a lot of risk taking and rollerblading that leads to people getting injured. Yeah, it's all relative, right? Yeah. Like even 
I think of myself going to a skate park and very casually just like 360ing over a over a tabletop. Mm-hmm. For someone who's only been rollerblading for a year or two, that would be a really dangerous thing to attempt. But for me, it's just I'm very comfortable doing that and I can look at the angles of the pyramid and and know what my body needs to do to to do it and I've done it so many times that for me it's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could potentially get fucked up doing it, but probably not. If I yeah. if uh, like I I can f- sense that I I'm going to do it. I'm going to land it. Like and 999 for 999 times out of 1000. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And and for a lot of professional rollbiters, you're right. They have mastered so many tricks that for them it's not dangerous to fish brain a rail or to alley-oop top porn a rail they have so much experience attempting it and and a lot of experience missing it that mm-hmm. their body just by reflex knows what to do to get out of it um but i think there is a an, an obsession with danger that rollbiters have where they they think that if it's not really dangerous then it isn't worth anything. Mm. And that's totally false. Something does not need to be dangerous to mean something. I mean, it, it, it is a mark for it, but there can be such beautiful movements in rollbiting that are not dangerous at all. Like movements that are on flat ground or on like a very small terrain that can be so unique to how a human being can move like if you look at it from a dancing perspective like there's the the wheels under the feet allow for such beautiful movements that it doesn't need to be dangerous to I, be an, like artistic and beautiful speaking of, of beauty i think that's one of the the big things like uh rollerbladers kind of need to take back uh for themselves uh aspects of beauty in the sport which are kind of embarrassing for a 15-year-old boy. Like, you don't want to do ballet, and you don't want to do something that looks quote-unquote gay. And, you know, I think in order to really grow into its own personality, rollerblading needs to become what it is. So uh, it needs to become what you can do on rollerblades. Now, at the same time, we've we've got a, a culture in rollerblading. We've developed a vocabulary of things we do on skates and it's very focused like when you watch edits on youtube you see these kids they'll be in a huge skate park and they'll skate like a rail and a curb and they've got like a huge bowl with like a clamshell or something they never drop into that or anything they just like do all these crazy stunts which are really impressive and really awesome but it's like it shows you the kind of intense focus that rollerbladers have on a certain skill set which is which they you know see as being safe as non-gay you know like grinding handrail is not gay you know what i mean it's like that's rough that's you know like uh proved rollerblading culture that's been uh handed down by rollerblading tradition through years and hundreds of rollerblading videos yeah and it's established it's dangerous it's manly yeah and i think 
what rollerbladers are doing and need and are going to do more. And I, I don't want to be the one to say, okay, this is what rollerbladers need to do because I'm not involved enough in rollerblading myself. I'm not out hitting the skate parks every day. But rollerbladers need to, or rollerblading will, I think, embrace like elements of rollerblading, what you can do with skates on your feet and your body that to a blader in 1997 looked totally gay, but now that people have been skating for 20 years and now that they're working hard, they can make look really good yeah. and fit into the sort of idea of movement that rollerbladers have and we can reclaim things from other tra traditions First and foremost, figure skating. I think that's the closest other sport to rollerblading. And I think the first reaction for most rollerbladers would be like, I don't want to be a figure skater. I don't do that. I do handrails. I do stunts. You know yeah. what I mean? But well, since day one, we were one, yeah. defining ourselves as aggressive rollerbladers. Aggressive we were roller defining bladers. ourselves as like, we're not just roll just rollerbladers. Yeah. who roll around we're aggressive rollerbladers and since day one we've been trying to differentiate ourselves from from figure skating from all these other things that really are what we are we're yeah. a pretty fucked up culture we're like a culture that's built upon hiding what we really are built upon more like the definition of rollerblading of what rollerblading isn't it's like an unspoken kind of definition that's like huger and more vast than what rollerblading is because yeah. you know like what rollerblading is is kind of like in a in a kind kind of one of the reasons why i think the skateboarding criticisms of rollerblading been so effective is that rollerblading has kind of ripped off skateboarding for a long time because our criteria of what makes rollerblading cool has come from what skateboarders are already doing or what break dancers are doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we haven't taken what figure skaters have done and worked at for a hundred years and mastered. We haven't taken that. Except the tight pants. Yeah. Except for tight pants. You know, we haven't, we haven't gone through those things because you can make those look really good in, in rare instances people have, but it's like, it's a lot of work to take those things that, you know, Olympic figure skaters are doing, you watch that. That isn't easy. There's only, like, maybe three or four rollerbladers who are even at that level of skill. Like, maybe Chris Haffey has worked hard enough on his rollerblading to, if he had started figure skating and working this hard, he'd be in the Olympics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, that stuff isn't easy. And that stuff, I think, would look amazing on rollerblades. And... Even though it's not directly transferable, I think it's the closest fit, you know, from a tra tradition that rollerblading has. Now, at the same time, rollerbladers see themselves as radical. Like, what rollerblading is from the start was new, uh, untied to anything before it. Uh, one of the things I really loved about rollerblading when I started was everything was new. We were inventing the wheel, you know? Like, when we put rollerblading on our, rollerblades on our feet, everything was pure possibility. Every grind, every switch up, you could come up with a new grind, you know, no one had ever done before. You know, everybody wanted to be like John Julio inventing fish frames and sidewalks, you know. 
Like you could just invent a new switch, have a new grind, a new spin flip. Uh, those possibilities have been fleshed out a lot. It'd be a lot harder to come up with something completely new. However, it still happens all the it time. It still happens, and there's so much yeah. from like not necessarily in the grinding room because we've been so focused on grinding. I'm surely like there's still so much room in grinding, anyways. You know, like there's still so many possibilities, but. I want to suggest that instead of being completely radical, one direction rollerbladers could go is to the past and look at traditions that aren't rollerblading, but that have a lot of movement techniques that would suit rollerblading really well and uh, offer like a huge progression slingshot. Like, uh, for instance, roller skating. Not exactly the same as rollerblading, but there's all these like techniques and ideas in roller skating that you could just watch and put on rollerblades, and then all of a sudden you got a completely new idea of skating that you can like progress through all these new techniques and go in different directions that people are kind of stumbling upon. I think like. Um, Maybe it's all been done with freestyle skating already. Maybe people have already done all that. But I think there's still a lot of room. Do you think that the thing we were talking about before, that kind of uh, wanting to separate ourselves and that insecurity, do you think that is a huge block in, in, in our progression and our openness to like trying to integrate some of the classic dance moves and roller skating moves? and It kind of makes us a little bit more narrow-minded in terms of like what is cool what is awesome how can i use these skates under my feet to do something radical um our vision of it is like i want to be i want to be tight i want to slide down the rail i want to i want to lu kang like it seems like our vision at our vision as rollbladers looking at rollblading is so narrow as to like what we're going for mm. where there's so many possibilities like that's really what's so exciting about rollbiting is there's so many possibilities and what you talk about uh, looking at roller skating and looking at classic dance and looking at uh, things that have been done in the past to a lot of rollbiters that seems gay or it seems like oh i don't want to like I, I you know people are very critical of what other people do and I think um, I want, first want to catch on to the word radical because I think that's a huge part of what rollerblading is, is the novelty of rollerblading. It's something new. Radical means without roots. Rollerblading is new. It's like science fiction, you know. It's moving. It's a futuristic sport. And it still is, I think. You know, nothing has sure. come out like rollerblades for your feet. And I don't think anything will is that the definition of radical yeah that roots something that has no roots and there's a the antonym that's cool the antonym is radicant which is something with roots so like people politically would be radical they started some crazy new party like the elephant party or something like that you know right which is like or like if they're like i don't know some kind of transcendental meditation party or something where there's no precedent set to it before in politics and these guys just had this crazy new idea like communists would be radical back in the 19th century 
Right. So that's kind of... And rollerblading is radical because nothing had come along like it before. No one had really thought about take, putting skates on your feet. And instead of using the wheels, grinding on the sides of the boots down handrails and on concrete. Like, it's this crazy mix of a modern architecture and an invention. The invention of rollerblades, which has no precedent and, you know, is really exciting because it gives people, young people like us, the power of creation and invention, which is really awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's very exciting to think that like 16, 17 year old kids were doing moves that no human being had ever done before. That's very radical and that's very exciting. And that's why rollerblading is so exciting. And I think there's so much in rollerblading that people who do it see and feel. They want to spread, you know, they want to show why rollerblading is so awesome. And the reason I think people have specialized so much on grinding and, uh, you know, a narrow range of activities like gaps and stuff like that is because when you specialize, you can go further. Like you can, right. you take one thing and you take it further and further until you, you uh, can go unbelievable lengths until it's magic, until you get to places where a normal hum, human being can't comprehend what's going on. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the good things about specialization is that, you know, people can do magical things on rollerblades that you couldn't. If, if you Most people can't comprehend can't it. Comprehend. It's just beyond... Exactly. If you think about a highly skilled rail skater to yeah. an average human being, that's it, it is magic. It's like inhuman. It doesn't make any sense at all. And people don't even want to think about it because it's so dangerous. And, like, you know, you see the bail clips. I think that's one of the things about how they always show the falls in. It heightens that sense of magic. Because you see the danger that these people are putting themselves under, and you see the amount of skill and specialization and technique, and that, you know, builds a fireball of uh, magic where it's just like, yeah, how could anyone do that? What are they doing? Um, Now, the thing about generalization, which is what's happening now, is I think rollerblading is going through a kind of generalization trend. We're saying, okay, what else can we do on rollerblades? You know, we've done all the stuff on rails, but what about flatland skating? What about bowl skating? You know, people are pushing out more in other directions. If you try too many things at once, chances are you're not going to go as far as you would if you just did one thing and one thing only and took it and carried that as far as you can. Right. So that's, I think, you know, like, People are going to take certain skills and go all the way with them. But I think one of the reasons why there's such a strong uh, focus on specialization in rail skating is because a lot of people take it very far and it's been done so well in rollerblading. And not as many people have uh, done extraordinarily expiring flatland stuff to the extent. And the other thing is like, Flatland stuff is by its nature not as dangerous as rail skating, so it's not as attention grabbing. And the young kids, they're going to see a kid doing a handrail, or and a kid doing like 
great finds. And they're going to be like, wow, that looks like a lot of fun. i got to jump on that handrail. They're not going to be as excited by the great finding. Yeah. And, and, and when they see these different things, it's almost like there's been a lot of hints in role biting. Mm. There's been hints at all these different directions. Like you think of Latimer doing a hand slide 360 or or a peyote to heel spin yeah. on flat ground or little things like this. It's like hints, but it's not as established. So people see it and they people don't think like, oh, I wanna I wanna emulate that because they don't look at it as an established kind of movement. It's just like, oh, that really that that veteran guy did that mm. and that's cool it was awesome but i'm not gonna do that like i can't i can't do that um and there's like i think it's a, sort of critical mass then because there's not as many innovators just in life in general you take a big risk innovating in a certain activity if you want to be like a dustin latimer you got to find these skills and you got to work really hard at skills like Maybe Dustin Latimer just threw him out and it was no problem at all. Or maybe he had to work really hard learning those hand plants, learning like the hand slide and the peyotes. He had to work at these really obscure, weird skills and have the confidence that when he threw them together, when he like pushed them, that people would sit up and go, holy shit, this is what I want to do. This is where rollerblading needs to go. You know, you take yeah. a big risk. And it's almost like you need those those basic found the foundation skills mm. like you need to learn the basics before you can venture off into doing weird things like that like he had to learn how to 360 yeah uh, or 540 uh or even just do a basic hand plant before he could pull it together and like slide on his hand and do a 360 out um, it's almost like kids do need like a foundation of skills that they need to strive for. And it's like right now that foundation of skills is sliding on rails. It's grinding, mm. grinding and spinning. Um, and that's, and, uh, and, and kids, it's like kids, young kids aren't going to like invent what they want to do when they go out. Well, yeah, they need, you know, for most young kids, they're going to need someone uh, to follow, they're, yeah. gonna need, they're still in that phase where they're learning by imitation, which rollerbladers are really good at. You know, like you can't As people, go somewhere. And, people, you know, we imitate. Yeah, there's no one offering rollerblading lessons. You can't go down to a community center and take a rollerblading class. Although maybe in a couple of cases, I taught some rollerblading lessons in 1997. Then I worked at Camp Woodward, but for the most Respect. part, you can't you can't go out and take like a 12 week you know, session on how to skate parks on Wednesday nights from six to eight, you know, you got to watch people and maybe people will give you advice, but you got to learn on the street. It's a street sport, you know, yeah. you're not going to read a book on how to rollerblade, you know, you got to experience and learn from it's, it's imitating. Videos. It's imitating. That's how you learn is you watch these videos and you imitate what they are doing. And you look at a lot of other activities like, badminton, tennis, skiing, snowboarding. Uh, there's a culture of instruction, swing dancing. There's like whole industries of instruction where people have kind of codified how to teach and they can teach skills effectively. And you can be confident going in as a beginner that 
you'll be able to get something out uh, by paying an instructor to teach you. Yeah. And that doesn't really exist uh, for the most part in rollerblading with certain exceptions. Yeah, it might exist like just at a basic level, like just learning how to skate. Yeah. I know there's there's a blade school in Vancouver, mm. I think, where someone will just take you out and just learn how to skate on yeah. skates. But there definitely isn't a lot of, in terms of aggressive skating. Like, oh, you want to learn how to slide this rail? Yeah. <laughs> come like, come think, out. I'm going to teach you how to slide this yeah. rail. <laughs> like, okay, you slide. skate up to it. You fucking jump as high as you can. And you put your legs up and you slide it. Okay, ready? Okay, go. I think reliability <laughs> has a lot to do with that. Because... <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, like, I'm sure people have tried to do that, but, like, when people seriously look, okay, I want to start an aggressive lading school, the first thing that pops into any serious, like, person who knows anything about business head is, like, <laughs> oh, crap, I'm going to get sued. I'm, you know, and lose all my money because the first time someone breaks their arm, it's going to be my fault. Yeah, and it's so dangerous. We it all is. know someone yeah. who got, who started skating and the first or the second time they went out skating, they broke their fucking leg mm-hmm. or their fucking arm. We all know someone. Like, that's a normal thing. Like, when someone first puts on a pair of skates and and tries to grind something, like, it's very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there was a guy in Kamloops who, he, 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 I think he saw some of our videos and he went out skating and he tried to jump like a kind of a smaller gap and he broke his fucking leg <laughs> and it's like i mean it's like you put out a skate video and you're like is the cultural like awesomeness of having made a skate video worth like eight people breaking their legs <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes like, it's one of those questions you have to ask yourself and maybe that dude's going to find me one day and he's going to say, Todd, I saw you skating and I broke my leg and why did you have to put out that video? I, I was such an impressionable kid and now I have like, to walk with my luck with a we, limp. We just want to put good things out into the universe and just, you know, inspire kids to go out and live life to the fullest <laughs> and potentially break their fucking leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, so... Yeah, every once in a while I think about what rollerblading has done for me as a person. What has it done for you as a person? Well, that's a good question because, you know, you learn things from skating. Now, one thing it's like when I get frustrated, one thing I learned in the skate park is if you try something and it doesn't work, just swear really loudly. And every once in a while (laughs) I'm frustrated, I'll just swear and you're like, okay, well, it's a habit you pick up. But, but seriously, um, one of the things, like, is, uh, you know, growing up at skate parks, often being the only rollerblader, I almost had, like, an ability to, like, not uh, be too visible. You know what I mean? Not to, like, you're the outsider. You're, you know, in a, one rollerblader and you're hanging around 30 skateboarders. Uh I almost, like, grew up expecting people to not like me when I was at skate park, so I got a kind of, like, an ability not to ruffle too many feathers or kind of be, in a sense, almost ideologically invisible. But at the same time, I learned to, like, skate well and, like, take up my space but not get in anyone's way. In a sense where, you know, like, you learn how to hold your own ground. And then 
one of the things that kind of like, you know, being an outsider, an outcast in the skate park environment, one of the sad things you see when you go rollerblading is rollerblading, rollerbladers that pick on scooter kids, you know, because, or rollerbladers that pick, you know, when, when they're in the safety of a rollerblading group, they attack an outsider for social status. Because, like, you notice as a rollerblader, the skateboarders that try to diss you or try to, you know, tell you to leave the skate park or something, they're not the skateboarders that are really well-respected or necessarily the best skateboarders. They're usually just idiots or they're very self-conscious and they're trying yeah. to get some respect by attacking an outsider and and getting, like, kind of a group camaraderie, like, hey, we're all skateboarders. Watch me attack this outsider inliner. Yeah, so in a sense, they're just trying to belong to their own group. They're trying to get in a way they credibility. They can't just, like, be a good skateboarder. They have to be a part of that group by mocking this other group or being confrontational with this other group. And the thing is, it's like... Uh, you know, I've been in situations where rollerbladers do the exact same thing, and you're like, you know, haven't they learned anything at all skating? Yeah. But at the same time, it's just a human, normal thing. Like, that's the way humans evolutionarily are. But at the same time, it's one of those lessons you want to kind of learn. You know, you're like, you want to be, you know, you've rollerbladed for 15 years, or 20 years, or whatever, and you've experienced, like, you know being dissed by a bunch of skateboarders or whatever, or you've watched people kind of, like, attack the outsider and bend the outsider yourself. So are you going to kind of repeat the same thing? Are you going to go and yeah. attack a scooter kid from the safety of a rollerblading crew? It's so silly. Like, we just need to move on. We need to yeah. just grow the fuck up. It's... Or attack skateboarders when they're the outnumber. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where... People naturally do that, yeah. But at the same time, people can learn, and that's one of the you know things I hope that rollerbladers will get out of their skating experience. Hopefully, it's not such a huge, you know, rollerbladers. Young skaters aren't getting as picked on as much as I did when I was a fifteen-year-old kid trying to learn how to rollerblade and drop into a half pipe. They probably do. Yeah, because you know we're adults. We're yeah. you know in our late twenties and thirties. We don't experience it the way young kids do. Like Unless you go to Burnside. Unless you go to Burnside. <laughs> yeah. you experience that in an intense way. Which well, I, there's I skate parks in Vancouver that if you go to, even if even, even as a 30-year-old rollbladder, you're still going to get yelled at and mocked. Yeah. Um, but we definitely don't experience it the same way that young kids do. Um, and that's... it. It is what it is, and it's it's unfortunate, but it's almost something that it's a part of the experience of being a rollblader, whether it's good or bad. Like right now, it's just a part of the whole package. If you want to do it, if you want to get through that threshold of like learning how to rollerblade and and getting with the community and uh, getting comfortable on a pair of skates at a skate park, like it's a part of the package to be mocked. And it's it's like a filter, you know. It'll only accept stronger individuals into this tribe of rollblading, you know. And that's something that is cool about it, but it's also something that's unfortunate about it. It's unfortunate that it's hard for a kid to just pick up a skates and go. Like I am, I'm jealous of 
how skateboarders can just go to a skate park and be accepted by their peers and have a pleasant experience. I'm jealous of that. I wish I could just put on my skates, go to a skate park, and be surrounded with people who are like-minded and welcoming, and it's a nice, fun atmosphere. That would be great. And it's funny, though, because, like, you hope that would be the case, but at the same time, I remember starting rollerblading. I wasn't automatically accepted in the community. Like, there were a lot of guys. I was just this geeky 15-year-old religious kid. And a lot of guys didn't like me. And, you know, it's like, you learn how to deal with that. If you really want to skate, you keep on skating, no matter what people think, even if you're not the most popular skater, even if uh, people don't invite you to all the sessions. And, uh, you know, over time, you're going to make friends with the people that you're going to make friends with, and you're going to find connections. And for newer skaters, they got to, you know build a network of friends and it's they're not necessarily going to be welcomed by the established skaters they're not gonna you know people aren't gonna go out of their way to like hang out with every new kid that comes in the scene you know like it's kind of tough for younger skaters to get established and i think the same thing in skateboarding you know the young skateboarding kids they're not going to go to the skate park and uh, have 30 friends all of a sudden, you know, like there's all these crews and little political divides and they're going to be just as mocked in their own way often as a rollerblader by 30 skateboarders. But yeah, it's true. But at the same time, you know, uh, it is kind of lame when you, uh, repetitively, repetitively experience the cultural bias that people have set up against inline skating. However, I think what we need to do is just say, fuck it, I don't give a damn what people think. And especially, I don't give a damn what other rollerbladers think. I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to skate and do things that look uh, lame, gay, whatever. I'm just going to take my, do movements and follow them in whatever direction they take me. Because I'm not skating to look good, I'm skating because I love rollerblading. Right. And I want to find the... I want to take it as far as I can physically take it and find my own idea of skating. That is such a complicated thing, though. I mean, the to, to do exactly what you want to do on the skates. It's, it's still something that, as a 30-year-old dude, I still battle with... And I still am cognizant of the fact that I'm being influenced by the group that I'm with and by the culture that I exist in. Mm. Like, I don't think I'm yet being completely honest with myself when I go rollerblading. Like, I try. I try to be completely honest and I try to do things that, in my heart, bring me the most joy and things that I feel are worth doing but I don't think that I'm completely free of the influence of the culture of rollerblading and by my peers. It's a very, I, I think it's a really difficult thing to get to that point of like not giving a shit at all and just following totally 100% your own instinct and your own 
desire of what you want to do on the skates. I think that's in this day and age. I think that's the that's such a hard thing to do. And yeah, I agree because like I remember going on the Stanley Park session Sunday nights. You know, I was just doing my own thing. Yeah, I had my stereo kind of skating, and then this crazy dude showed up on his inline skates, and he was just like really aggressive. Not aggressive, but like he was aggressively free. He did not care at all what you know people were thinking. He just did exactly what he felt like doing, no inhibitions at all. And it looked terrible because he didn't have much skill and he kept on falling down and stuff. Maybe he just didn't have thing is he just didn't have much skill level. But if he had, you know, really worked on his skills, maybe he could be awesome and, and inspiring. But kept on feeling really self-conscious being around him because he was doing all these things poorly and the thing is when you want to let go and be free and take any idea that appears to your you know your consciousness you're going to do a lot of stuff poorly at first you know it takes that's the thing with the creativity and skill continuum if you want to stay in a really creative free zone it's not going to be as skillful as a focused, uh, narrow, specialized zone. Right. And you're not going to be necessarily as impressive. However, you know, it's the price to pay for more freedom, like maybe not being able to do as many things. However, you need to go into that zone where you're going after something more ambient, something not as defined, and take the risk of looking bad, maybe just skating in an underground parking lot, and then build that up to a more presentable level. Yeah, it's a, it's almost a combination of both. You look at anyone who's become great in our sport, and it's a combination of restricting themselves to focusing on specialized skills, and then a breaking free of that, and using those skills in a way that no one else has used them, like freeing themselves from that cultural restraints that they, they gained all their skills in. It's funny. Yeah. It's like almost any artistic practice. It's like if you were just to start something, whether it's painting or, or stand up comedy or role biting, you just started in such like a free, place where it's like yeah i'll just do whatever i want to do it's almost like you can't just do what you just want to do you have to learn the basics and you have to learn some skills within it and then you can take those skills and fuck around with them and experiment and and be a weirdo but you can't just start at a weirdo place but at the same time sometimes you need to completely switch the very basic skills and like start from new basic skills, you know what I mean? Like sometimes uh, a revolution of thought occurs where what people thought about the basic skills, they got to shift them in order to get to richer territory. They got to rework the very basics themselves and start uh, new. Like it's like cone skating, for example. Uh, For an aggressive inline skating, it's like a revolution in basic skills where you're like, okay, I'm no longer going to be skating a ramp or a rail I'm gonna like take very basic foot movements and work from that and work from you know like an 
an even smaller level of basics, like actual skating technique and skills. So, uh, you know, the first time you're going to go cone skating, it's not going to look very good or inspire many people or uh, gain respect. However, if you get really good at that and you figure out a way to like integrate that into an urban environment or street environment, then you know, definitely I think you could get that in some videos and get some props from people who have enough experience in rollerblading culture to understand that this is a statement that uh, can in, that fits somehow into the tradition of rollerblading but can lend it a new uh, avenue to grow in. Yeah. Because uh, we've always, rollerbladers have always done Kind of crazy things, but uh, it's going to take the skaters that are our age a lot of work to develop these new skills to a level of presentation where the young kids are going to see them in videos and be like, okay, I got to do that. You know what I mean? To like change the direction of rollerblading. Uh, and which the popularity videos, how to be in popular videos and mushroom blading videos, you know, they're doing that and other skating videos. However, you go on, you know, BMAG, and a lot of the videos you see are just straight up all grinds, you know, like, uh, except the fish, the fish blading video, the fish video, that is, there's a lot of really cool creative stuff in that. However, it's like, you know, they gotta have a grind in almost every trick they do, which is not a bad thing. It's really impressive what they can do and the creative ways they do that. But it's still like an example of the super tight focus that rollerbladers have. There's always been a, a really high focus on roll on grinding, um, it, both like in the activity and in the technology. Like the way that our skates have evolved has been because of a focus on grinding. It's like larger sole plates and and nice royale grooves and the frames are all it's all about grinding and like grinding is awesome i love grinding but there needs to be a focus on more than just grinding like the the things that we can do just rolling the things that we can do without grinding at all are amazing and the technology needs to reflect that and there needs to be more of a focus on how our feet feet feel in the skates and how our how we roll. Yeah, I I uh, completely agree. I think one big moment in the history of rollerblading was the introduction of the REMS, the OG REMS. Those were the first handmade skate, and they really allowed people to do new things and to take. Uh, to get a level of control on their skates that has, you know, had been unprecedented before and has not yet been met by the newer skate models, I think. Um, one thing uh, about rollerblading is that your ankles are really vulnerable. You know, you got every rollerblade has strong ankle support on either side. It's like a ski boot. Now, the REMS... Uh, had the V-cup, so you had more room to flex your foot forward, and they had an excellent system of anchoring your foot in the boot so that you had 
more minute control over every movement. Now, one thing I wonder about is whether you could have a system where you have like three-quarter high boots or lower boots so that you have more freedom of movement for your ankles. This would put your ankle at higher risk of being injured. However, if you had the extra freedom to move your foot, I think it could open up a lot of possibilities for footwork technique, for control of your skates, and... Uh, and also strengthen those muscles in your mm -hmm. foot. Yeah. That's a big thing, like, uh, NBA players used to exclusively wear high tops mm -hmm. because they wanted to protect their ankles. And now they've they've stopped doing that, a lot of them, and they say that they've strengthened up their ankles a lot more because they're wearing footwear that allows their ankles to move in different ways, and it doesn't, like, it's not like a cast, right? And I think there's a lot of potential in role biting to create technology that will be with responsibility. Like a normal person couldn't just go and put them on. They might hurt their ankles, but someone who's experienced and, and works those certain muscles, like why don't we just strengthen our ankle muscles as opposed to just keeping them in casts that, yeah. you know, out of fear we could be strengthening those muscles and then we wouldn't need like a big, huge plastic cuff. We could skate in a more shoe-like skate. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is you can't do things like jumping on handrails or doing a, you know, even a six-foot-high gap. You don't want to try that with a, a sneaker-sized rollerblade. You know, you, you want to... Uh, protect your ankles in those situations. I think with a level of skill, you could. Mm. If yeah. it may, like if the if the design was right, and if if you had a certain level of skill, I think you could do some bigger stuff and be fine. I think I think it would open up a, a huge amount of freedom that rollerbladers don't have. Yeah, and. Uh, Style-wise. Style-wise. And I think it would lead to, like, a big slingshot in terms of progression in directions that rollerblading hasn't gone. Yep. Because we've kind of... Maybe that's one of the reasons why we've been locked into this grinding progression or skill set. It's because of the shape of our boots and the rigidity of the ankles. We've kind of been locked... You know, it, it tends towards the kind of grinding uh, idea more than a flatland idea. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I started roller skating is because, uh, number one, I have roller skates that are handmade, and it might, the fit is so much better than what I get in rollerblades, and I feel so much more in control, and my skates feel so much more responsive than, I, than they do when I'm wearing rollerblades. Now, when I think about roller skating and rollerblading, uh, my idea is that it's tools for your feet to allow you to move in a certain way. And, uh, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the podcast, what I was talking about is how rollerblading is almost like a religion, or it's so focused and people want to make rollerblading better, uh, and people don't ask themselves, how is rollerblading going to make my life better? 
And uh, one of the things is, I think the idea that we need to make rollerblading better, or like that rollerblading is something out there that we need to like glorify and make awesome, is kind of got its roots in religion. And a lot of rollerbladers yeah. grew up in religions and, you know, maybe are unconsciously like substituting, you know, rollerblading for religion in their life. But I think it's healthier for people to ask themselves, how can rollerblades make my life better? How can I have more fun and a richer life uh, using rollerblades rather than, you know, how can I like advance rollerblading kind of thing? Such a good way to approach it. Yeah, and rollerblades are a tool to make your life better. Yeah. You know what I mean? A tool. And one way to do that is to... Don't ask what can you do for rollerblading. Ask what rollerblading can do for you. That's right. Cause, you know, Be selfish, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. This is about you. This isn't about fucking rollerblading. Go on. Rollerblades are tools that you can use to find means of self-expression. You know, a lot of people are looking to ex express an idea of what they can do, how skillful they can be, how they can take risks and uh, roll away, roll away from crazy things with skill and style. And they give them, rollerblades are the tool that they use. And rollerblades are a tool, they're not something that you owe something to. You know, you don't owe rollerblading anything. If rollerblading makes your life worse, then you should move on. You know, if it's trapping you in a place that you don't want to be, you should find what makes you happy. Totally. And right now, the tool that I'm using is roller skates because I like dancing. And what I want to do, the idea of movement that I want to express, uh, I can express better on roller skates. Now, I've spent 20 years on rollerblades, and I know, you know, like when you put rollerblades on, you have, like I have an idea of what I can do in rollerblades, and I don't have quite the same amount of skill on my roller skates. However, there's so many transferable things, and what I'm doing right now is finding a self-expression, trying to get to a level of skill and expression where I can be happy and live from day to day skating and doing things on my skates to music, basically dancing on my skates and dancing well enough that I'm expressing myself. Um, one, one of the ways I want to dance on flat ground and I want to take my skating and dancing to skate parks and bowls and terrain and stuff. And uh, it's, there's so much work that I have to do to get to kind of like the idea in my head of where I want to be. But right now, like roller skates are a tool that's getting me there faster. Or maybe on roller skates, I'm learning all the skills that I already have on inline skates. And I feel more satisfaction because I can progress faster than I have had on inline skates. However, I personally don't feel that I, because I've been roller skating for 20 years, or rollerblading for 20 years, and I have so many friends and so many connections and have shared such a huge bond with so many people, and so much of my identity is based on rollerblading, 
I wouldn't for a second feel like I owe rollerblading the idea or the cult or rollerblading the thing anything. You know, it's like you've invested so much of yourself in rollerblading. If you want to invest more, then invest more. If there's something else you want to invest in, you know, put your time into that. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. It's almost like that should be encouraged. Within rollerblading, it should be encouraged for people to branch out and, and experiment with other tools and other ways of, of looking at it. And but unfortunately, it's not, because it's just like any other cult or any other religion. Where what's been prescribed by the rollerblading culture is what people feel kind of obliged to do. Like People yeah. feel obliged to learn how to skate on a handrail, even though that might come at a very high personal risk and a couple broken arms or legs. It's like a and, mark of validity. Or masculinity or, you know, mas- you know like, like proving yourself within validation. that culture. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one way I think rollerblading can make people's lives better is if they learn how to dance with other people on rollerblades. Like, one of the most uh, pleasurable experiences on rollerblades is skating with a girl on rollerblades, you know, skating with another person and being able to experience the sensation of rollerblading while holding another human being. Do you you get a lot of tail skating on roller skates? Not really. Like, I, I, uh, you know, I've been dancing for a long time and it's not, it's more about the experience of roller skating and being in the moment and the skills you learn and you know it's like inline skating some people get tail from inline skating but that's not not many usually why, why they're doing it they want it people skate because they love skating yeah they love the feeling of grinding they love the feeling of getting air you know it's the activity that's the reward in itself but I mean like like even dancing like you must get a lot of tail through dancing like I see a lot of photos on Facebook of you with hot babes well I think the skill that I have in dancing or you know might allow me to uh, go out with a more attractive girl than I might be able to go out with if I did not have that same skill and same with rollerblading if you're Chris Haffey right you know like you might be able to date a super hot girl that has seen you skating in videos and you know they might be like you know a 9 out of 10 you're only a 6 but they'll go out with you because you're like it's you like have the skill you know what yeah I mean? it's like girls girls want guys with cool skills like Napoleon Dynamite said exactly but at the same time there's like you know personality is probably a bigger factor than yeah. skill in a certain it's got to be a combination of both but I think you know especially swing dancing you know, I do that because I really enjoy it in the moment, and that's something that makes me happy. Where I can lose myself in the activity, you know, when you're swing dancing is fun, man. It is. Yeah. We did swing dancing in uh, in high school. We did square dancing. Do you do square dancing at all? I haven't haven't tried any square dancing. Okay, I guess that's different. I guess it's square dancing and swing dancing is different. But I think one of the best things about inline I just heard the ass and dancing is like losing yourself and becoming completely focused in that world 
and leaving all the cares of your day-to-day life behind. That's the best. You know, That's what I live for, you is leaving. <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry That's about That's what I live for, is leaving my life. That you have to deal with, you know. <laughs> you escape. And, you know, there's... One of my favorite things is when it's been raining for two weeks and you throw on your rollerblades and you feel like a god. You have these powers that you don't have with shoes. You have, like, the ability to roll... And the whole world is transformed when you throw on your skates. Yeah. And things that were just like a piece of concrete are now uh, are now tools for you to use to slide across and to feel the texture of the concrete under your feet. You know, yeah. you com- completely become something new. And one of the things with um, one of the reasons why I'm so focused on dancing now is that like putting rollerblades on your feet. Music can transform your world by being another dimension. Rollerblades, you know, added, you know, when you're skilled at rollerblading, putting rollerblades on your feet add a new dimension to the world. Everything becomes different. Same thing with dancing. When you put a song on, you're, you have another dimension of movement, the song to move through. When you change a movement in relation to the song, that's a real boundary. Like each note and beat of the song is, you know, a real thing that you can see and grasp and play with. It's like, you know, when you walk into a skate park, like a song's kind of the same thing. You can play with every element of the song and move through that yeah. and interact with it. So you must see a lot of similarities between rollerblading and dancing. I mean, rollerblading really is just dancing with rollerblades on, right? And I think one of the fundamental things that rollerbladers need to embrace is dancing, because rollerblading is the only action sport that really lends itself to dancing. And, you know, rollerblade, we have freedom of feet. We can move our feet. We can dance in our skates. Skateboarders can't do that as much. It's a lot harder to dance on a skateboard or a BMX rollerbladers are kind of scared of dancing because that's gay. You know, it's like... And I really hate Isn't that using, funny? I that's hate like, using that word in a pejorative sense because... Yeah, but like, you know that's their attitude towards it. But really, that is what you are doing. And You are just dancing. In your skates, yeah. In your skates and, and rolling. And the thing is, like, where rollerblading... In the 90s, it was, like, still kind of a dark age compared to now in terms of sexual freedom because now you know in Washington they just voted in same-sex marriage you know they passed that in two states in the states I think in the election where Obama was re-elected it's things have changed unfortunate for gay people you know like um, in the late 90s when skateboarding first launched this big attack on rollerblading uh, the use of gay as a pejorative term had more currency you know when someone called something gay people didn't automatically assume that the guy who said that's gay was an immature little 15 year old or someone who is like socially illiterate now when if you hear someone say gay in a pejorative way you know they're like a redneck or a hick or they just don't you know yeah, it carries a lot like less super weight. Super religious or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, it makes them look bad. Yeah. You know, like, you just don't use that adjective anymore. And, uh, 
you know, like rollerblading's, you know, an almost exclusively male activity, and you know, a lot of people are still like self-conscious about, okay, we don't want to like look gay in rollerblading, but I think people need to get over that, and uh, you know, embrace uh, elements of rollerblading that might, you know, look more feminine or look more like figure skating, I right? Think. Or just not be imprisoned by that attitude. Yeah. Like I just think there's so much that could be so fucking badass that that uh, people are maybe afraid to explore. Certain parts. I don't think it's necessarily like we need to like purposely do things that are like fruity or gay or, or uh, you know, it's just it's just that attitude re- restricts us. You know, that fear of looking like a figure skater or looking like a gymnast or looking like Justin Timberlake. Like we need to accept the fact that on like we can move our bodies in whatever way we want and that is what is so powerful about rollerblading we're not restricted to landing with our feet on the board or landing with our feet on the pedals and our hands on the handlebars like we can really move our bodies in the same way that dancers do or like i think we just need to really free our free ourselves from any kind of uh, well, judgment that we have in our brain, like yeah, we, we just get, need to be fr- free, and free and from being worried about looking like we're attracted to people of the same gender because of what we're doing with our inline skates. We need to say, you know what? If it looks gay, that's totally fine because history is changing. It's no and what is gay? Like, yeah. what the, What does that mean? You have to realize that that thing in your head that tells you, oh, this movement is gay, that's that's stupid. That That's not intelligent. Well, it doesn't look gay. If your dick is not in an asshole, then what you're doing is not gay. But like, you shouldn't like, be ashamed of it. It's a movement. You know, history, like... Uh, the you know use of gay as a pejorative term is on the wrong side of history now. You know, if rollerblading looks more fem- effeminate, you know, like that, because we're gliding and we're we have you know it's more like ice skating. Uh, you know, so be it. It doesn't. There's no point in trying to change what rollerblading is or what it could be, yeah. or trying to like avoid any type of movement that might look you know like that because history is changing people's attitudes about sexuality and accepting uh, sexuality is changing and you know while it might have been something that uh, in the 90s was a lot more uh, pejorative, and there's this sort of moral majority thing, you know, the WASP, white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant sort of, like, mindset, where you didn't want to do anything that looked gay in the 90s or whatever. Now that that's no longer the case, and, you know, we gotta move on. And yeah. But even, like, if you look back at, uh, like, Jim Morrison, 
mm-hmm. like the way he moved his body on mm-hmm. stage could be perceived as being like kind of gay like the way he he moved in kind of a feminine kind of way with long hair and tight tight pants but but people look at that as being like really badass and they idolize that you well, know and i think with yeah. if it's a it's a it's a matter of confidence like if a role better took up the attitude of like they owned it and they were just like fuck yeah this is the way i want to move I think women would love it and and rollbladers in turn would would be like, whoa, like that guy's got sick style. Like the way that people look at Jim Morrison and they're like, fuck, that guy was a god. Like Well one of the things is like why don't more women want to rollerblade? You look at rollerbladers, there's like ninety eight or ninety nine percent all guys, you know, it's like yeah. maybe in the freestyle world there's more women, but it's just such a gender imbalanced activity. There's not nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it's the same as skateboarding. But you know, because we're so, uh, you know, because rollerblading, the demographic is teenage males. And you're talking about aggressive. Aggressive skating, yes. Yeah. Aggressive skating because you know it's that demographic. Uh, we you know kind of focus more on things that teenage young males want to do which is like the crazy shit and show off like I think one active okay for case example skating with a girl you know like holding onto a girl's hand and skating down the seawall it'd be it, you know it's like it's not going to impress anyone but it it's a uh, potentially really enjoyable way to skate or going down to the roller skating rink and just kind of like skating like uh next to a girl like skating at the same strides with your feet in parallel with a girl kind of thing um you know like making rollerblading something that is a more human activity rather than something that's like a male warrior culture style activity like and that's yeah that's something something that like would be appealing for uh, a broader demographic. Yeah, I think that's something that limits the appeal of rollerblading is the the manliness and the hardcoreness. Like, not that many people are gonna want to do it. Yeah, and it's like um, because it's mostly a young male subculture, it's unlikely to develop skill sets that would appeal to young females or females in general yeah so it's like you know it's kind of like gone down this polarized trajectory and it's like it's in a fucked up place and it really is in a fucked up place because it's rollerblading it's considered gay but it's like people are taking it from a defensive stance and doing these like hardcore manly things like it's a really mutated kind of so activity <laughs> like it's so fucked up because rollerbladers are, are scared of being seen as attractive to other rollerbladers <laughs> they do things that girls aren't interested at all in doing and ensure that rollerblading isn't almost exclusively male activity yeah but there still are there's a there's a small percentage of rollbladers that are really sexy on their blades yeah like uh colin kelso mm-hmm. gabriel hayden like these guys like they look sexy on their skates 
and they're they move their bodies in a way that I'm sure girls would like their panties would get wet like mm-hmm. watching these sections but it is true like in a in in a generalized kind of way what we're striving for as a culture is these like masculine kind of movements that wouldn't really be that appealing to females because I think you're right like we're subconsciously we don't want to be attracted uh, attractive to like homosexual men or we don't want to appear like homosexual men it's like a defense mechanism as role letters but i think that you know that's changing now that the tides of thought in general are changing in our culture you know overall it's not a huge of a deal anymore but at the same time it's like it's going to be a while before you go down to the skate park or you know you go rollerblading and half the people are girls and rollerblading is a more kind of generalized human activity it's like you know like how can rollerblades make my life better you know it's like how can i have the most fun on my rollerblades how can i get my dick wet <laughs> like uh well, that, that's the thing that's like, you know, going out dancing on your skates. So like, once in a while, I'll put my rollerblades on or my roller skates, and I'll go to the swing dance, and I'll be the only one in the dance with my skates on. But I can still dance just as hard as anybody else. And I'll have, like, girls lining up to try dancing with me, <laughs> skates on my feet, because they want to experience the feeling. But there's not as many girls Experience out there <laughs> that, that want to put skates on themselves because it's just too risky. But at the same time, it's like, that's one way... They just want to roll with a proper nigga. Where, you know, I've taken rollerblading into this really strange, outlandish, completely different situation where, you know, you wouldn't normally think of taking it because usually you just get kicked out. You know, they'd be like, what are you doing? But, like, people... You know, because I've been dancing for a long time, they let me do my thing. And it's like, I'm the only one in the city who's, you know, like, ever really tried that. A couple people do it. But it's like, since you're the only one, you kind of like, are you crazy or super smart? You know what I mean? It's like, right. it's like if, you, if you're doing something that absolutely no one else is trying, it's like either, it's so obscure that, you know, like, unless you... People do, don't have a frame of reference. Yeah. Like, it's radical. Know. Yeah, but at the same time, what I'm trying to do is find, like, inspiration from traditions that, you know, from the tradition of roller skating or figure skating, learn those skills and bring them into my inline skating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, find a way to express my myself and uh, take my skills that I've worked so hard on for 20 years in ramp skating and bowl skating and integrate them with dancing um that's the other thing rollerblading people learn rollerblading by watching videos and video editors work very hard making rollerblading look like dancing they time it so that people land crazy tricks on the beat and they get a flow of music video. And it's like they try to make it look like the the skater was dancing to the song that they're the editing that to. They're editing with. Yeah, and yeah. you know, a good video editor will have a flow of music through the video, song to song, will match this the flow of the song to the skating. And I'm sure, like people, 
when they're doing a section, listen to a song over and over again and get into a kind of flow zone with the song. So it's almost like rollerblading is in a presentation kind of way a dance. You know, like kids watch sections and they see the skating paired with music. And in the ideal, idealized format that we have rollerblading, it is kind of danced out in a post-skating way. Like, you do the rollerblading, and then you dance it into a video with editing software. Dude, hold hold this thought. I gotta take a piss. The melody. Alright, you give her, boy. da 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 Fish brain all up on her tits. I wanna top acid all up in her 
tits. I wanna make it happen. Wanna bend her over. Wanna slap that hot mama in the ass. I wanna heel roll 360 all up in that bitch. I wanna make it happen with your granny. Wanna take out your granny. Wanna take her up for coffee. Show her her 540 and then take her home and make her my bitch. She's so horny. Wanna make her come. Wanna take your granny out and make her take her from. I wanna do a alley oop macchio on her big fat titties. Love your granny. We're back with CN. Your initials aren't that cool, Chris. That's okay. C, C Nima, if you put C and Nima together, you get cinema. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of hip. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's about the only cool one. Actually, my first name's David, so it's D C N. So your first name is David. Yeah. So Chris is your middle name? Yeah, Chris is my middle name. And it's from the oh, wow. kind of, uh, Judeo-Christian name, because it's like David, and then Chris, Christ. And then, well, my last name means faithful, you know, so it's all like, it's a pretty intense kind of like religious name, uh, you know, for a non-religious person, which is like, uh, Okay, yeah, so biographically, I want to take a, uh, a quick, quick tour of my life. I started out uh, going to Presbyterian Church with my parents, and I uh, joined the Presbyterian Church at age 14. Then one Sunday, they had a preacher come in, a guest preacher, and he told us why Catholics were evil, you know, why the Catholic Church was bad, and it was the horror of Babylon, and... Catholics are doing all these evil things and they kill all these people and they're persecuting really? the true church of Christ. And then, well, Catholics are pretty evil. Well, if you look at the history so, of so Catholicism, I, he was right. You know, and... Uh, I was one at, of them. At the, end of this, yeah. at the end of the service, you know, people are all being really nice to me and really friendly and, you know, my dad wasn't there. And uh, so I was like... You know, this is kind of funny. Why are they having, you know, why are people paying this much attention to me? It's, it was really unusual. And then what I found out was that very Sunday, my dad had joined the Catholic Church. So it was actually the church's damage control sermon against the Catholics that had taken my dad out of the church. Whoa. And that was the last time we ever went to that church. And you know, I just kind of like joined as like, you know, I did the catechism and joined the church. And then, you know, after that, my dad had been actually playing like Catholic apologetic tapes and, you know, like why the Catholic church was so great, but I didn't really connect the two. And, you know, it was only after that anti-Catholic service that I had learned my dad was actually a part, had just joined the Catholic church. And anyways, I found the Catholic apologetics pretty convincing and I joined the Catholic Church myself at that time. And this is right about the time when I started rollerblading. I was 14 years old. It was like when I started aggressive skating. I was 14 years old. I'd had rollerblades for uh, three years since I was 11. And uh, I really liked rollerblading. And I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to be in the NHL. But that didn't really pan out. But when I discovered rollerblading... It was something awesome for me to do on my skates, which I felt 
really confident on and enjoyed that didn't require a team to go to and it didn't require your parents driving you to practices. I could do it on my own when I wanted to. So here I am discovering aggressive rollerblading, joining the Catholic Church with my dad and um, you know I pursued rollerblading, uh, kept on pursuing that and uh, you know as I got older and older I kind of drifted away from the Catholic Church and now you know I'm more of an agnostic or an atheist um, and in the same sense I've you know back then I kind of took a almost religious look at rollerblading you know like rollerblading was what I did was a part of and rollerblading was going to make my life awesome and you know it was a path for me to follow and dedicate uh, myself to and take risks for and uh, you know I've I've kind of drifted away from that idea too. You know, now rollerblading is something I do because I enjoy it, because it will make me feel good, because I can exercise skills that I've worked really hard to achieve, but it's not something I do because I feel an obligation to do it, you know, like every Sunday or something. Or Again, I- don't ask what you can do for rollerblading. Ask what rollerblading can do for you. Or, you know, ask how is rollerblading going to make my life better? How can I enjoy my life more when I put rollerblades on my feet? And uh, for a lot of people, doing exactly what they're doing is what it is, you know. Uh, I think most people rollerblade. People choose to rollerblade because it makes their lives better, because it gives them what they're looking for in their lives. And uh, at the same time, sometimes people, like, uh, become, you know, they're in the social network of rollerblading, and they feel uh, the social pressures and obligations to rollerblade a certain way. I think most people are. And uh, I think everyone needs to focus more on what they want out of rollerblading. Yeah, how they want to integrate rollerblading into their life. How rollerblading can make their lives more pleasurable and more successful, and uh, you know, not necessarily more successful, but, but more yeah. enjoyable. You know, like yeah. uh, for more example, enjoyable, more... sometimes you need to avoid taking big risks that are going to uh, make you unemployed. You know, like if you uh, break your arm and you work in construction, that's like. You know, you're out of a job. It's going to be detrimental to to your, your life. Overall success and well being. Yeah. And um, you know, is it is it worth you know like making a section in a video and taking risks that you're unskilled that you haven't worked hard enough or just don't have the strength to do? You know, to get a video edit. Like, or if you really want to take those risks, yeah, then you need to pursue a career that you can still get fucked up and do like, it's yeah. funny because that was one of the reasons why I chose my career was mm-hmm. because I was, I wanted to take risks, but I wanted to still be able to work if I got fucked up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll just be a computer guy. So if I got fucked up and I break my leg, I can still work at a computer. Yeah. And that's why I chose my work. So if you have to think about it, like if that is what is really important to you is doing stunts and skating really hard, then choose a career that you don't n- need to have a 
a very healthy body to do. It's more mental. Or well, the other but that being like, said, I could still smash my head and not be able to do my job. But know, rollerblading, rollerbladers want to be courageous and they want to be seen as courageous and brave. You know, like you wanted the glory, part of the glory, part of like prestige of rollerblading is doing something crazy with skill. And also the feeling is addictive. Like people do get, I I have gotten addicted to that feeling of landing a really scary thing. Mm. That is such a beautiful moment. Yeah, when you like, when you're alive. It's like that uh, Radiohead video, No Surprise, No Alarms and No Surprises. When uh, the water goes over Tom York's head and he's under underwater and it slowly comes down. And when you see him take the first breath, you see the relief in his face and he's trying to suppress that grin. And then I remember hearing the story about that. Yeah. Like the water wasn't supposed to stay over his head that long and they completely messed it up and he almost drowned. So what you see in his face is that genuine relief of having like survived almost drowning. Like yeah. you get that rush of endorphins. From there's there's a there's death. a story behind that uh, in Meeting People is Easy. It's a uh, Radiohead documentary. Mm. And he tried that like a few times and he kept like there was like a little thing that he could pull and mm. and release the water. And he he released it a few times before he actually got that shot mm. of the water like submerging his face and then coming down, which is really interesting. And that is such a brilliant idea for a video because basically what it shows it, it, it the whole video is just his face, right? Mm. And the video shows him going through this traumatic situation and then coming out of it, and 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 that that. That thing that you get from his face, that relief of him still being alive, that's real. You know, yeah. it's not him just like acting or, you know, that's what, it's such a brilliant video. Yeah. What song is that for? No Alarms and No Surprises. Jesus Christ. Off of, uh, OK Computer, like one of the greatest albums of uh, the 1990s. Oh, baby. Yeah. Yeah, we'll That's post that on the on the Facebook page. And that came out that album uh, the first time I heard Paranoid Android. Jesus Christ! It was just one of those buzzing songs where yeah. you get so excited about it, and yeah, yeah, so something hits you. And the same thing happened to me when I discovered rollerblading. It was so exciting. It was something like that was just so alive and so right for me. Yeah, and uh, you know, like it's rare that things come along and hit you with that kind of force where you're like, yeah, this is going to be, uh, something, this is like something I want to make part of my life or you hear a song yeah. and like, this song is so real and so raw and like, uh, just like matches what I see in the world so well. Jesus Christ. Like the, the, the people that I talk to, it almost becomes cliche to say, like, but the, the people that I talk to that are rollerbladers and grew up rollerblading, and I talk to them now, people like you, people like Jason Marshall, people like Joey McGarry, there's a certain energy that comes from these people um, that's, it's like rollerblading because they found something that they were so passionate about. It, like, led them through this fucked up time of being a teenager and being, like, 
going through puberty and discovering girls and it like it it saves them they're they're not like just like obsessed with getting money they're not obsessed with just getting pussy like we like to do these things but there's more it's like there is a very special thing to all of these people that experienced like elements and future role biting and coup de tat and Niss ASA Josh Petty Arlo Eisenberg TRS with flaps and jogging pants. It's like this, like, it's a cool, it's like, I'm very grateful to have experienced this culture and I'm very grateful to know all these people and, like, talk to all these people. And, you know, it's like, I remember times when you're just so excited to be rollerblading and you see, you know, rollerbladers that are so skillful and so amazing and so talented that you know, like, what they're doing is, like, self, several orders out of, like, what you can do, but you can appreciate how awesome they are, and you just, like, wonder how they, like, throw themselves up and land those tricks, and, you know, it's just, like, that world of possibility and discovery, and the thing is, it's still open, and there's still so much stuff to do. Yeah. And, uh, I think, you know, where we go from here is going to be probably a bit more generalized. And it's really exciting that uh, there's a generation of rollerbladers who have been skating for 20 years and are in their 30s. And, you know, they're starting to do... They're starting not to really care anymore and just, uh, you know, do things, take their skating in directions, which isn't as dangerous, but is, like, as technically difficult and appealing in different ways and uh at the same time you know a little bit socially more risky because you know you're not going to get as many props on bmake for doing for putting a, a roller dancing edit up in fact you know you might get almost completely this or something like that but you know that's what people need to do this is rollerblading you know people need to like uh go in those directions and say like I think I'm in a position to do that myself. Like, I have these ideas about what where I want to take my skating, and I have the skill base to work on them and get them to a semi-presentable level. Like, I was never a professional rollerblader. I was never at the very top level of rollerblading. But I, I get to a you, point where you're I was fucking good at rollerblading. Thank you. Like, your bowl skating is really almost as good as anyone out there like you are a expert bowl skater and you're probably the best bowl skater in the city and like you are really good at ripping bowls and the thing is that the sad thing is i kind of wish i wasn't the best one in the city because it's so much fun bowl skating but i think it's fun when when you're at your level yeah, it's, it takes us a lot of investment a to get A lot to of investment. And yeah. I'm jealous. Like, I wish I could be that good. Like, for me, it's not that fun skating a bowl because I don't have all those skills. Like, I didn't grow up skating bowls like you did, and mm-hmm. I don't have the experience level. I'm very envious of... And the great thing about bowls is, like, you can get a lot of pleasure, and you can do lots of things that are thrilling, but it's... It's pretty safe easy to do yeah you can develop pretty good safe. falling techniques 
so that you keep the risks manageable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's really great creatively because you're working really in three dimensions and you can go through corners and re, you know, there's a lot of really cool creative possibility. And it's a really good well. exercise. Yeah, it's really demanding. And really, like, actually low-impact exercise. Yeah, because, yeah, you know... It's like the it's elliptical like, of rollerblading. It's, like, very fluid, and and you're not you're not jumping a stair set and landing mm-hmm. hard impact, you know, like, yeah. flowing into quarter pipes. Like, you're, you're using those thigh muscles in a really hard way, and you're getting a good workout, but you're not, like, destroying your knees. Yeah, and the thing is, like, nobody... Should be destroying their knees. Like, you only have one set of knees, and you know, rollerbladers are young. It like. Well, hopefully, we can get our official. Yeah, knees. good, good. I'm banking knees. on that. I hope so. Same here, especially my right. I want Kevlar. It's like, you know, people, because it's a male culture. You know, there's not as much focus on safety and long-term joint health, and you know, that's one of the advantages of. For example, swing dancing has opened my eyes up to what a skill-based community with an even demographic would be like. Because swing dancing, it's there's elements that are as risky as inline skating when you're doing flips and aerials and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you have the influence of half of the people involved are women. So you got like a more... Uh, level-headed sort of approach to what people are doing. People are, you know, more focused on being safe and not getting hurt or not hurting other people. And uh, Women are smart yeah. that way. They're and more that, practical. That rollerblading culture doesn't have. We don't have this sort of uh, influence of females. You know, in a generalized sense. Because yeah. there are awesome female rollerbladers but because there's only like three percent of rollerbladers are females their influence the feminine influence isn't uh felt as much you know doesn't do as much good as it could yeah and uh that would be you know i think that might that might play a bigger part in the future but uh and also like i think older men their influence would be more practical, more intelligent in terms of like being safe and mm. yeah, older not. Which is one of the great things about you know the rollerblading coming, you know, being the age it is now. Now we finally have a generation of thirty-year-old skaters. You know, we finally have people that have been rollerblading for ten years and are able to do awesome things and get respect and attention. And inspire people without, you know, doing things that are going to break their legs if they miss. So, you know, now that people are, uh, you know, getting better but not really interested in taking as many risks, rollerblading's moving in a more, and I'm, yeah, it's moving in a more uh, technique-orientated over risk oriented direction. Although there's always going to be uh, a big risk dimension just because of the fact that it's mainly male and 
Yeah. Uh, and it's exciting that it can move in both directions. And it feels good to take risks. Too. Oh, yeah. And it's like a, it's a rite of passage, and it's a... I'm very grateful for, like, the times that I took huge risks. Like, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the times that I did such stupid things in retrospect. Um, yeah. But it was, like, it was such... It, it meant so much to me when I did it, and I think it's had such a lasting effect on me. Those those times when I literally put my life at risk mm. doing tricks that were so dangerous, but then I, like, I landed it, and there was a feeling, a, a charge that I got from that that has lasted until now. And it charges on in my life like there is a real energy that i do get from from those stunts that i did and it, it's it's funny because i don't it's hard i can't advocate kids to like do things like that because i would i would i would tell them don't do it i would if they asked me like i'm thinking about doing this really crazy thing like should I do it? I would tell them as me, like in, like I would say, no, don't, don't do it. But then looking back on myself doing it, I'm happy that I did. Mm. Or you'd like do it again if you were in the same situation again. Yeah. Because I, I, I know that I survived it and I know that maybe I wouldn't do it again. Like, if it was me back, if I just got, like, in a time machine and I went back in time, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say, like, no, I don't need to do this. This is stupid. I'll just go do something that's more fun on my skates. Like, you know, I wouldn't choose to do it again. That's the thing. That's that's the interesting thing is that I do look back at it as being stupid. And what? I wouldn't do it again. But I'm happy that I did. One of the things with rollerblading is because there's no real instruction and because there's not many opportunities for people to learn how to do it well, you know, there's a higher likelihood that people are going to develop bad habits and ruin their joints. And there's a higher likelihood that people are going to That's gonna me. I have horrible habits. That are tr- going to try things that they're not prepared to do. And that's the thing with rollerblading. You know, I don't take as many risks, but the risks I do take are mitigated by the preparation of years of practice that I have. And you have an experience and you kind of know what to expect and how your body needs to move to execute the thing. Yeah. It's like you look back on the things that you tried when you were a kid and you had no idea, but you just like went for it. And the good thing about being aware of now is that we have the people that are old enough to understand, you know, we can say to a kid, you're not ready to try that handrail. You know, you need to spend more time grinding the little handrail yeah. there and become, you know, work your skills up. We can kind of, like, make judgment calls a little bit and kind of guide I think, generation. And I also think a lot of kids have, like, they have skate parks that... You know, yeah, they can kind of parts. build up their skills more than we did. Like, when we were growing up, we didn't have these skate parks with, like, tiny little rails and stuff. We had to learn on the 
on street handrails and yeah. shitty street ledges. Or we and we took we hands. got so fucked up in ways that kids now don't get as fucked up because they can like build up on the nice skate park ledge, the nice little skate park rail, and and work their way up. So it, it is it, it is a bit more. It always surprises me when I see new kids out skating, though. It's weird. It's like, yeah. I don't expect people to start rollerblading. <laughs> no, is, I don't. You know, it's like our society is so... Rollerblading is so obscure, and our society is so, like, focused on novelty. You know, you expect kids to just grab a scooter these days because that's the new thing, and or, like, get into mountain biking or something, and... You know, it's like a good surprise when you see new kids rollerblading, but it doesn't like. Uh, but it's still like it's kind of sad that it's so surprised that you, you're kind of surprised to see these young people that have taken the same path that you've taken. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, rollerblading is better than it was in the late '90s or early '90s when I started, and like better people, like in terms of magnitude and skill and technique. And, you know, it might not be as kind of, like, novel and new and radical as it was back then, because it's been kind of codified a little bit. There's a canon of grinds and skate park tricks that have been, you know, legitimized through skate videos, through hundreds of skate videos. It's like the soul grind, you know, or, like, a kind grind. Uh, statistically, if you've watched a thousand videos... You've seen one trick done 10,000 times and one trick done once. You know, the trick that's done 10,000 times is going to be part of, like, what you see as rollerblading. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by the kind of canonization of certain things. But we've taken, you know, people have been skating longer. They've gotten better. And the ideas that they articulate on their rollerblades are really awesome and more inspiring today, I think, than they were in the, in when I started. However, the when I started, rollerblading had the advantage of novelty, and it had this science fiction edge of being a completely new human category of movement, whereas now it's had a bit of a history, and now we have a cultural... You know, we have we have the cultural challenge of uh, continuing to uh, progress a no longer novel and radical sport into the future, and to continue making it appealing to younger skaters, and continue to get new pe- younger people to choose a sport that's socially less acceptable than scooter riding or skateboarding or BMXing. And, uh, you know, it's happening. People are starting, continuing to rollerblade and starting to decide that they want to rollerblade at a skate park. But I think we still are failing in, uh, in terms of <laughs> making rollerblading appealing mm-hmm. to kids. Like, not a, lot of, not a lot of kids are choosing to rollerblade. Yeah, it's pretty, it is pretty rare. Like, I haven't done too many of the Wednesday night sessions, but, you know, there's mainly people I have known for 10 years, people that have stuck with rollerblading stubbornly, and 
because they love skating, they love what they do on their skates, and they're going to keep on doing it, you know, because that's who they are. You know, the Wednesday night sessions aren't, like, full of, like, people that were riding scooters, but they saw us rollerblading, so they all <laughs> ran out to the rollerblading store. You know, like... <laughs> but at the same time, people are buying rollerblades. And uh, I think that if we... Uh, if we broaden rollerblading a bit and make it more human, there could be another huge uh, rollerblading boom again. Like, if we can make rollerblading just something that we do, I don't know, we have this amazing skill. It's like gymnasts. They're like, oh, they do gymnastics and they do it on the bars or something like that. But they're focused on flipping around a bar. You know what I mean? It's so obscure and, like, they need a special network of people that all do gymnastics and get their kids to join and everything. And they're so focused on, like, a narrow category of events. It's never going to be something that millions and millions of people are doing. But it's going to continue being legitimized and taken up because it's in the Olympics. It's been kind of sanctioned. We don't. It's ingrained have, in the culture. It's yeah. We don't quite have that rollerblading's not in the Olympics. You've been kicked out of the X Games. It's it's like opposite for us. Yeah, we. It's like negative. We're like in debt. Yeah, we're in debt to debt. the culture. Like we owe the culture fucking three million dollars before we can even break even. But like rollerblading is just digging a hole. What we need to do is find ways. Of making our lives awesome on rollerblades and yeah. making it because people like know you can do crazy stunts on rollerblades, but it's like, how can we make it so that a girl, a 13 year old girl, will look at rollerblading and be like, whoa, if I could just rollerblade, my life would be so much better? Because you know, a 13 year old girl isn't gonna be like, if I could just grind a handrail, my life is gonna be better, you know. <laughs> It's not gonna. It's not in her realm of possibilities. Could get to work so much faster if yeah. I could just grind down that rail instead of walking down the stairs. It's but I think so much faster. One of the you know dancing is one example of a subcategory of things we can do on rollerblades, and I haven't you know we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what people can do on rollerblades that is really awesome. But dancing is one thing that can make a person's life better, that you can do better on rollerblades or differently on rollerblades than you can do with shoes. Like Okay, so so when you say make your life better, uh-huh. expand on that. Like, what do you mean make your life better by doing this activity? So, uh, by dancing on rollerblades, you go and you you get a feeling. You know, you, you do an activity... You enter a dimension. It's like when you're at a skate park having a really great session. You get into this zone where you're completely focused and uh, free. You're free in a new dimension. You know what I mean? Like when everything else has disappeared and you're climbing a ladder. You're like doing a new grind or something like that. You're succeeding. You're articulating your idea of what you do on your rollerblades. Like, say I, I'm doing that... You're becoming a superhero. Yeah, your own... You're becoming the version of yourself that you dream about at night when you're thinking, what do I want to do? You know, when you're like, oh, 
oh, I could do this and that at the skate park. And then the next day you go and you do, like, you lace that trick that you were dreaming about in bed the night before or something when you couldn't get to sleep. And that's the same kind of thing, like, I want to, you know, through dancing on rollerblades, there's things I can do on my skates that I couldn't do on my shoes, or things I could do on my roller skates. I can express ideas in the music that I couldn't express in my shoes the same way because I have wheels under my feet. And dancing in skates is something that, you know, appeals to a way broader uh, demographic of people, you know, like there's going to be girls that are interested in it, older people, younger people. It's not as much exclusively, you know, young males, but what can we do on our rollerblades that everybody's going to want to do? Because we can do it on our rollerblades, you know, there's all these really awesome things that we can do on our skates, and we got to find out what they are, and then learn how to do them so well that people see it, and they're like, why, why, why aren't I doing that? Like, <laughs> yeah. That looks like the way to live my life, and that looks like something that will make me happy, that will allow me to express a personality, an individuality, a version of myself that's like way more satisfying than the one I have now. It's like when you're a little kid, when I started rollerblading, when I was just kind of skating around wanting to be a good hockey player, and I saw Chris Edwards getting air and people grinding, when Chris Edwards was grinding, I'm like, that's the version of myself I want to become. If I could do that, I'd find the satisfaction from being able to do that. And I think if we could open up the uh, walls of expression on inline skates so that more people would be like, that's what I want to articulate on my skates, that's something that I need, I want to be able to express, that's like a task that I have, kind of like, that I'm following. Right. And do you think it's almost like uh, there's many ways that you could do that? There's many ways that you could uh, show that expression um, that different people are going to be attracted to. Like there's people that are will look at someone ripping a vert ramp and be like, oh, that's what I want to do. Or they'll look at someone doing like skating a handrail and be like, whoa, that's what I want to be doing. Or there's someone that'll just be doing flat ground tricks and and they'll be attracted to that. Like there's many different ways, I guess, what I'm trying to say. There's many different ways that rollerblading can be appealing to people. Yeah. There's many different ways that... It's like there's what Frankie Stoner said in his article, like, uh, he was talking about defenestration and how... Well, he's talking about style in the article, but he's saying rollerblading is a big tent. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm saying, like, doesn't need to be a tent. Tear down the walls. And, you know, rollerblading is, like, as big as life is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not it can saying, be like, anything. Yeah, anything you Really, want. it can. And, rollerblading uh, can fit into any box. It can fit into any activity. And there's so many different things that you can do with it. Mm. You can paint while you're rollerblading. You can play hockey while you're rollerblading, obviously. You can yeah. play basketball play while you're rollerblading. Play soccer while you're rollerblading. Play tag while you're rollerblading. The, the play paintball. Tag is actually a really good idea. Paintball. Yeah, paintball. 
That's, that's a badass idea. That would be Imagine, sweet. Fucking roller paintball. Paintball downtown. The cops would probably catch you really fast. But imagine how crazy that would be. <laughs> a rolling game of paintball. But that's the thing. Like, yeah. you know, like, there's so many potentialities. And it's kind of like, you know, some of them are going to be really stupid and not a good idea to do on rollerblades. But some of them are going to be amazing. And some of them are just going to, you know make your life that much more satisfying and be like a moment of crystallization and discovery where you know you're just like yeah this is like uh what I've kind of like wanted what I saw maybe in my unconscious and like some level and I can't believe somehow I brought it out of me you know like you, you know something you just stumbled on and um we can find these things we've got to first come up with them and just try them you know we just gotta throw throw them out there yeah and make them reality and be willing to kind of like go outside of our own culture because our own our culture is so narrow like be willing to go to a roller hockey league Mm -hmm. and play a game of roller hockey or or be willing to take all our favorite music and then just throw them on the stereo and skate while listening to that and just try to like interact with the music on our skates and see where that takes us. Because I think that's, you know, one really powerful way to express your skating is to say, okay, here's how, here's like uh, my expression of this music on my skates, you know, like how I'm going to roll through yeah song. and it, 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 it there's a there's a big there's a lot of power in flat ground skating and that's mm. something i learned like because it's such a blank canvas and because you can express the music so much like to to try to do that with like grinding or like rail skating it's a lot more limited because you have to roll up to the thing and and jump on it at a certain point and then slide in a certain position and hold that certain position. But in ter- when it's flat ground, you can listen to a song and interpret the sounds in real time as they are happening, as you are hearing it in your ears without being limited to skating the obstacle, whether it's a lawn tramp or a rail, like, like having to jump at the certain time. Like, you can react... To the sound of the song as it's happening on flat ground when you when you want to you know but the 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 challenging thing is that you always need some kind of structure a little bit because you know working with a rail the structure of the rail gives you a canvas to paint on yeah. so if it's too general then you know if you're looking at too many options then you become you get frozen with possibility, you know, like there's so many things you don't know which way to go or you only go like a tiny bit in each direction. The challenge is finding like something like opening up the palette of possibilities and then finding one thing and pursuing it or finding two things and then combining them and pursuing it and being able to kind of find something completely new like be able to take a moment of freedom and crystallize it into something that you can work with into a new brush because 
like being completely free is you know really limiting in some way this almost yeah. is, is limiting it's the hardest space it's, to work in but you know you gotta get into that space every once in a while in order to like move in a different direction in order to yeah. kind of find something new and but even even we use the example of flat ground even within that you can create rules and create a challenge that is focused on flat ground that's where cones come in on flat ground yeah. it creates an objective to yeah. manipulate the cones without knocking them over it's a simple challenge and then through that you gain skills that you can use when the cones aren't even there yeah and then those skills can be used when there's any kind of obstacle in front of you because any obstacle is going to have flat ground before it and after it. Yeah, how, how has cone riding improved your skating or opened up the field of possibilities for your skating? Like at a skate park, have you noticed ways that you can approach obstacles dif- differently after having worked on cone skating? Yes. Or, like yeah, so your like freedom to move and to express yourself on rollerblades that's changed. Can you give me an example, just uh, for my own personal curiosity? Like, if you can describe an obstacle and like one way that the skills you've learned from cone skating has uh, increased your articul your ability to articulate that obstacle. Right, so there's there's a lot of things that you learn from cone skating, and a lot of them are like pivot points, like the mm-hmm. way that you can turn mm-hmm. in different ways, uh, in different uh, foot positions. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest way that cone skating has opened up the possibilities is in, like I'm... I'm tr- like traditionally in aggressive skating, you skate in a straight line towards the thing that you want to do. And cone skating has opened up this thing in my head where it's like, okay, I don't need to skate in a straight line towards this thing. I can come at it from the left or the right and then curve into it in like an interesting body position and then enter that trick in a whole new way that I never even perceived, you know, like in a way that's impossible to do just skating straight at it, mm. which is very exciting to me. And then, and then, and then if you think about just maneuvering in between ob- objects, like in the middle of a line, there's so many different like, uh, pivot points that you learn from cone skating that it opens up like, you don't just you you don't just have to roll in between things. You can do it in so many different uh, like body positions mm. to roll. Like I can I can curve to my left on one foot or with one foot going fakie and my other foot on its toe or one foot on its heel and one foot on on its rolling. Like it just opens up a lot of rolling possibilities. Mm. It, it opens up a lot because rollblading is rolling it's 90% rolling and then like 10% trick yeah so like if you learn how to roll into tricks in all these different ways then it changes the trick like you can do the same trick but roll into it like in 10 or 12 or 15 or 100 billion different kinds of ways and it's a different trick it's a different challenge yeah 
Yeah, one of the great things about dancing and skating for me is uh, learning how to move my body and learning how to ground myself and how to connect myself to my body and manipulate my body in different ways to find different points of balance. Like rollerbladers, a rollerblader's main tool is their body, right? Like you've got to use your body, you got to skate. And uh, I think any endeavor where you learn how to manipulate your body and, you know, gain more balance, gain different skills is going to help your skating. And uh, it's kind of another approach at my whole, like, opening up rollerblading. Because, you know, one way is, okay, I'm going to go take karate lessons with rollerblades on. Well, you might have a little bit of trouble doing that. But if you take karate lessons and you apply the skills that you've learned there to your skates, you can open up a lot of techno uh, techniques. And it's going to really, uh, you know, uh, allow you to manipulate your body better and give you way more self-control, more core strength, and, uh... It's like any way, any new way that you learn to move your body. To move your body. Because you can apply that. moving your body. That's all it is. With wheels on your feet. That's, and it's like, that's all rollerblading is, is moving your body. Yeah. And there's so many disciplines out there where people have mastered moving their bodies in a certain way. Yeah. You know, worked at it for millennium or, you know, centuries and... I think rollerbladers, uh, now that we reach the point where, you know, now I think we're at a point where people are starting to bring those traditions into rollerblading more and more. We're, we're reaching outside of the radical sort of rollerblading, the radical birth of rollerblading and the sort of isolated culture of rollerblading and we're bringing those movement traditions and disciplines into our skating and uh, we can find so many fresh sources of inspiration yeah. for skating I definitely think we're in a transition phase from this adolescence of like this arrogance of kind of knowing what we are and really mm. defining ourselves in a hard way. And yeah. we're moving into, we're, I think we're in a transition into figuring out what we are. And, mm. and it's like this dark kind of time where we, we aren't sure we're not like the arrogant 12 year old. That's like in the ASA and, or whatever, uh, and we're not the the masters. We're in this like transition where we're figuring it out. We're just learning what are we trying to do here? Like what well, are we capable of? And I think it's really exciting because maybe there's no longer a canon of rollerblading. Like that's the thing. Uh, you know, rollerblading was almost like a. Uh, religion there's dogmatic you know back in the late 90s you had to like do a fish brain when fish brains were popular you had to you couldn't do sidewalks anymore because those weren't cool and you know there's kind of like uh, a prescribed rollerblading culture that you know everybody tried to keep up with in a certain sense and I definitely felt that influence you know like everyone you had to do a misty flip but don't do like front flips kind of thing <laughs> yeah you know now, I think there's much more 
like uncertainty about what rollerblading is or what rollerblading could be. But and even what back, is like one of the cool and like Eric, for example, Eric Burke was one of the most exciting rollerbladers uh, because he just did whatever you know. He was so much more. He was so creative, and uh, he went way outside of the you know circle of what was classical rollerblading, and he did his own thing. And uh, you know, Dustin Latimer, another great innovator. Like people had more respect, the most respect for innovation and novelty. You know, throughout the history of rollerblading, I think people admired most the great innovators, and then second was the great skill. You know, like the rollerblader set could really lace the biggest tricks. Like, you know, like. Uh, Farmer and uh, Roscow and all those guys like there's kind of like a you know there's two sides of the rollerblading tradition there's like the getting doing huge things and doing things bigger than ever before and more difficult than ever before and the innovation side and uh, I think now uh, people are less certain about, you know, there's less agreement or absolute certainty about ro what rollerblading is, and it's becoming something that's more, uh, which is great, I think it's no longer as dogmatic, it's way more open, and, you know, there's more possibility to, for someone to do something that 10 years ago, people would have been like, that's crazy, what are yeah. you doing, that's not rollerblading, but now you can kind of do that. It's almost like there's more potential than ever to really influence what this is going to become. Yeah. Like, we have a tendency to look at it as like, oh, you know, Rollblade's been around for this long and, and it is what it is. And But really, we are creating the culture of Rollblading mm -hmm. right now. And, and the for the next... 10, 20 years, we are going to be deciding what rollblading is. If it's ever going to become one thing, or if it's always going to be in flux, if it's always going to be changing, but we can we can influence it huge right now. Like, I think rollblading is really, cr as a culture, it's really craving the new. It's really craving, like, someone to sh step up and, and sh show a brand new influence or, you know, what? even if it's not in terms of tricks, even if it's style or, you know, the way people do things or the attitude towards it. Like, I think I think rollblading is a, in a transition and it doesn't know what it is. And it's looking for what it is. And I think that's good. It's because, an identity crisis. It's exciting. Yeah, I, I'd rather kind of be in a place... Like, I think philosophically I'm more of a skeptic. You know, you know... Given the question, does God exist? I want to say I don't know. Because I really don't have good evidence either way for God existing or not existing. I'd rather be in a place, you know, of kind of philosophic ignorance. You know, like, there's just so much you don't know about life. And sometimes, you know, you work hard, you try to learn as much as you can. But you've never got it all figured out. No. And it's really hard work to learn something. And you gotta be ready to be wrong sometimes. You gotta be ready to be schooled. 
Yeah. Because if you're gonna say that you you know if you're gonna be start being dogmatic and you know if you are gonna be the type of person that won't be told that you know every time someone challenges you you just go crazy and you know start to try to attack them like you've you, I've met a lot of people that kind of have this defensive mechanism where if anyone tries to correct them they just go on the attack you know yeah. they won't be told they know everything there needs to be known you know like and that's not a place you want to be yeah it's like you want to be it's open it's like fundamentalist religion you know yeah. like if you've answered all the big questions in life you know there's nothing new to learn you, you know, want to be willing to explore different ideas and I think you know even for people that are religious or that have you know at least discovered you know what they see as answers in life you know the, the more intelligent ones are always going to be you know learning always going to be opening up new uh, avenues of thought always going to be willing to change their minds and be corrected about what they believe about their habits about you know in, in rollerblading like uh, you know we gotta people are you know some people are gonna be like this is the way to rollerblade kind of thing and you know this is the way to do a soul grind you can't do it any other way yeah but you know the gotta really grab exciting, your shit grab yeah. your shit they're really exciting rollerbladers the ones that are like gonna don't step on culture. You gotta jump both feet at the same time. They're gonna say whatever, you know. So the commandments of rollerblading. Dustin Latimer and throw all that shit out the window. Don't put and, your hand down. Yeah. Don't touch the concrete. Yeah, don't Yeah, I loved hand up friends. That was definitely so stepping stone. I, I handed up for a long time and it was pretty awesome. You know, I could do hand up some rails that you know, for like jumping on, I wouldn't ever really try. It was like, like and like, why not? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's silly and it's limiting to say that it's stupid to hand up. Like, if someone wants to hand up, mm. do that, explore that, go nuts with it, and get really good at it. Yeah, you know, do things that normally you just can't do if you're just jumping on it. It's. A, I think it's always a mistake to have a negative attitude towards like a certain movement, whether it's stepping up or handing up or you know anything, because someone could take that and do such amazing things with it that you can't even imagine. Mm. Yeah, and you know, there's going to be people that come along and they'll purposely take the commandments and break them. And push the sport in a direction that, you know, no one saw coming. Like, you know, the Dustin Latimers of skating. You know, they're going to uh, find a way to, like, mess with the rules and uh, get that extra little, you know, take it to that next level. Yeah, I got piss. About two hours, 18 minutes. Yeah. Shit will be tight. Shit will be tight. Yo, my shit 
is so tight. Cross my legs, slide the big rail like what? Your granny want a piece of this. Heel roll, one wheel, that's right. I'm my shit. My shit's so tight, so tight, y'all. Mad nigga, mad nigga. Mad nigga, mad nigga. Mad nigga show tight all up in this bitch Sliding unities all up in this bitch Switch it all up in the fish brain All up in this bitch Make it real So slide all up in this bitch Bras, panties in your drawers Smelling them They smell like your nigga So To Sniff the panties Skid marks all up in your panties Poo stains Yeah, we got poo stains all up in our ginch (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things about our culture is that We wipe our asses with pieces of paper But you know, one of the, you know, Southeast Asians, they clean their asses off with water. They they don't bother, like, getting strips of paper and then wiping their asses off and taking a look and then... That's a smart way to do them. things. They straight up just splash that ass. And the thing is... You splash the... Splash that, that ass. Splash that ass. And it's culturally probably a bit smarter because, you know, it's like they're not... Wasting toilet paper, they don't have this ridiculous ass wipe paper industry. Yo, they was splash that ass. They just like you know when a uh. in construction sites you go to porta potties and there'll be like a little four liter jug of water and they just like spray it on their hands and clean it off. They don't waste any because really like like put the think, water on their hand and yeah, then put the water wipe it off with their hand. Wipe it off. Maybe they put. I don't. I haven't watched them yet. They haven't invited me into. Uh, examine the technique, but I think the idea is you get the water splashed over there, rinse it off, and you, you clean it off, right? You know, don't waste your time. Maybe they get the toilet paper wet and use the toilet paper. But I want to invent, like, I think in North America it would be good to have, like, a bidet, like a splasher, oh, like yeah. an ass splasher, and then, like, a hand dryer, but pointed straight up that you sit on, that you press the button, and it after you bidet, you hot air like on your ass to dry it off instead of like having to use a cloth or something and the thing is people that think their hands are clean after they've wiped it with toilet paper they're fooling themselves they might as well just reach in there and use their fingers and then just wash their hands off properly afterwards like toilet paper if you if you fold it in a right way there's there's enough cloth in between the shit and the hands it's one of those things though it's like with the bacteria and stuff you think there's enough toilet paper but it doesn't make a difference anyways you know like people are just fooling themselves with all this toilet paper 
And the shit that gets on on your underwear anyways. Skid marks. Are you a skid mark? But, you know, you really need Brown to, on to your get undies. that shit on your hands to develop disease resistance anyways. It's like kids that get dirty, kids that go outside and get dirty, are healthier when they grow up. Yeah. And the kids that are kept in septic environments and... It's healthy to, to push your immune system, to exercise your immune system, in a sense, with bacteria. And, you know, one of the good things about rollerblading is we, you know, do all this stupid stuff and we get better balance and we get a better idea of risks and risk management. So when, you know, we're put in semi-dangerous situations, we have a better idea of what we can achieve ourselves, you know, like the risks we can succeed in taking and risks that are above our heads that we won't be able to succeed because we've gone through this process of doing things that we can't quite do and learning how to do them and learning the really, really hard way about, you know, what happens when we fail and what we can achieve. And I think it's hugely beneficial to learn how to fall and to learn how to fall on cement. Yeah. Like, like if you look at a gymnast, the way they're going to fall, they're, they're used to falling on a padded mat mm. where it's not going to skin them and it's not going to, like Although they can fall in a certain for, way. For them too. Like they learn yeah. how to fall well. They do learn how to fall well, but, they but also they, they learn how to fall on a padded mat mm. and it is different. Like we learn how to fall on cement. We are used to falling on cement and we learn the best way. To fall on cement, like, I think, like, other people, when they fall down on cement, like, have you ever watched a older lady fall down yeah, on cement? Dramatic. It's extremely dramatic. Traumatic. It's, and they yeah. get fucked up. It's, but the thing is, it's not because they don't know how to fall, it's because they're more fragile. Though. But they are and more fragile do and they don't know how to fall. Yeah, they haven't fallen out for years, and they fall, and they just, their mind stops functioning, and their body stops responding, and they go into, like, a blackout mode, where they're just like, oh, crisis, like, feet up in the air, and, you know, like, we're just, it's healthy to be used to falling on the ground, like, as roll biters, you fall on the ground every time you go out. Like, not being worried about it, when I'm like, oh, I'm falling down, I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's a reflex. So, so uh, I want to make two proposals. Word up. Okay, so one thing is that roller skates are essentially the same as roller blades. What roller skates are is roller blades with wheels pushed out way to the side and in a box formation, but it's really the same thing as roller blades. It's just a different kind of tool for your feet. And uh, the, the second kind of proposal idea I want to make under the tent of rollerblading is that we should all go skate in rinks where it's like at least 50% girls and where we actually like skate with them and... Pick up some tail. Not necessarily pick up some tail, but like skate in a way that you know, is attractive 
to females to skate. And, uh, That's what I'm talking about. You know, get a kind of skate culture where we develop skills that, uh, like, we'll be, we can use in a rink to skating around in circles and, you know, like, make the demo. Um, but the thing is, that already takes place at roller skating rinks all around the world, like Patterson West. Uh, the culture's kind of dying, the whole roller culture, roller disco culture. Um, the thing is, like, disco was, like, an excess that kind of died out because it was so over the top. But before the roller disco era, there was a hundred years of roller skate dancing culture where people would go out every Saturday night and go roller skate. They'd go down to the local skate rink and go skate with their girlfriend or just go skate around in a circle and do random things and crazy things. And it's like rollerbladers like didn't notice that. They didn't notice like 150 so, years of I think we almost culture. purposely ignored it. Ignored it, yeah. And, I'm, yeah. and what I'm saying is that we need to discover it and master it and make that part of our vocabulary in order to really make rollerblading a viable lifestyle. Because if, you know, it's like rollerblading is, is anything you can do with the skates on your feet, right? So it's like, why not take that thing that people have developed for a hundred years and make that part of what we do with skates on our feet? Because rollerbladers will go down to the roller rink every once in a while, and it's a lot of fun to be a really skilled skater around a bunch of beginners that are just trying to learn how to roller skate and rollerblade for the first time. But why not make it, you know, a regular thing? You know, go go to the skate park in the day, and then go dance at a roller skate rink at night, and you know. Uh, try to skate with girls, try to share the experience of rollerblading with another person, like skate, share your skating experience with a girl, like go yeah. arm in arm skating with them, Grab not just it. to pick up tails, but because you want that experience of skating, you know, in the arms of another human being. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, a 15 year old boy is going to be like, ooh, that's icky. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, that's a typical rollerblader experience. I'm too macho to do that kind of thing. But it's like, you know, like holding, giving people hugs and that kind of thing is like part of what it means to be human. Like, and in, and like in a lot of ways, that's how a lot of physical forms of art get born is out of just trying to impress the opposite sex mm-hmm. and to allure the opposite sex. Like a lot of dancing has come from like trying to impress a woman or try to get the attention of a woman you know and a lot of then, a lot of sports like is, is, level. yeah like you know like you gotta break the ice right and if yeah. you can dance with someone you touch them you move rhythmically with them that's a huge icebreaker because you're like you know, all of a sudden, you're, you've reached a new level of intimacy. Pulling panties down. In a acceptable way. That's the thing. It's like, you don't have to, like, you know, try to, like, cop a feel or something like that. But it's you like, can. 
Well, actually, like in the dancing world, if you try that in a socially unacceptable way, like there's all the girls talk to each other, right? Like right. if you're the kind of guy that goes dancing and accidentally kind of runs your hands over their boobies, they'll find, figure out pretty quickly and then they'll, you'll find that it's hard. You'll have a hard time like dancing with anyone. You know what I mean? Like there's pretty good defense mechanisms to within that culture but the same thing any culture like if people are going to take advantage try to take shortcuts in the culture or try to like use people you know they're going to be weeded out even in aggressive rollerblading people that take advantage but you must you must hit a lot of like hot dancing tail like um even if like you're you're playing it cool in the dancing world i mean it must be a gateway towards the slime tunnel right well i mean it's like anything it's like uh obviously you do things you know if you can if an activity will help you get a certain reward you know that's good but uh if you are genuinely interested in dancing, you're going to, like, the main motivation is going to be the reward of the activity itself. And it's funny, though, because, like, if you're... Benefits. But if people, like, if you're just into it for the side benefits, just to get tail, they're going to notice, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if you're, like, if you're just, like, oh, you know, you, it's like rollerblading. If you just want to, like, for some weird reason, you decide you just want to be friends with good rollerbladers... And you're just like, you know, people are going to notice if you don't really care about rollerblading. So you, you are generally, or I mean, sorry, you are genuinely into dancing. Yes. And I'm sure girls take notice that you are genuinely into dancing. And there's nothing wrong with like learning dancing just to meet girls, you know, it's like fine. But, you know, it's like you do things because you enjoy doing them. Do you do well for yourself? Yeah, like, I, you know, I it's just an activity that naturally, like, I have skill in. You know, it's like, it came easy to me to learn how to dance. And, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily, I'm not the best dancer in the world, but it's really enjoyable. It was really enjoyable learning quickly and gaining skill and going through a curve of progression where, you know, going from day to day, you notice people will say, hey, you're dancing better now. Like, you've really learned, and, yeah. like, wow, like, you learned so much, and, well, it's so much fun to dance with you. You know, it's, like, one of the things about rollerblading is we per- impress each other visually. Like, people say, wow, I, the what you did was so amazing. Like, you just, like, blew my mind that trick you did. One of the great things that you could do on rollerblades, dancing, is to impress people physically. Like, you know, say you want to, say you want skated with a girl and you just skated around with her and she could feel the way you moved and feel the skill of your skating and yeah. this, the balance and the uh, the agility that you have. You're sharing a sort of communicating your skill physically directly Yeah, as opposed to like them watching. So it's like, you know, you can watch some someone do something skillfully or with dancing the great thing is you can feel someone doing something skillfully you can Mm. feel an action like it's another sense 
appreciation. And you're also hearing the music at the same time. So you're enjoying the music and you're enjoying the sensation, like rollerblade dancing with someone. You're enjoying the sensation of rollerblading and you're dancing. Now, I mostly just dance skate on my own because it's not a huge field. Like there's not hundreds of people that want to go out and roller skate dance. Like if you go down to Seattle, you could probably roller skate dance with people at Addison's West or you could, like I'll get dancer friends of mine to go roller skating with me and then you know I'll be able to dance with them on skates but it's kind of hard to find people to do that with like there's no established culture in Vancouver of roller skate dancing with people in the states and like Atlanta and stuff the scene's huge there's thousands of people that go out and dance with each other on their roller skates and that's part that's part of my super broad definition of rollerblading like things that people who grew up rollerblading can do you know one of them is go out grab some roller skates and go dancing or go dancing on their inlines because you know it's just something like we've developed the skill set and we could do that and we could do that well you might not be able to do it right away but we'll shoot through the learning progression with you know amazing speed yeah so you wanted to talk about uh, your experience going somewhere. Oh, Patterson West. Okay, so, yeah. you know, I've been swing dancing, going to dances where you go out and you dance with anyone in the room. And uh, it's a very, it's like rollerblading. There's like a work ethic where diligence and skill is rewarded. If you worked hard, you've learned a lot of skills, you'll be socially rewarded. You work hard and you're blading, you do something well, people are going to reward you with socially, you know, like you went, if you're Mr. Popular, you get this, a great deal of social satisfaction from that in rollerblading. And the same thing in swing dancing, but to an even greater degree, because if you're a good dancer, you can physically uh, uh, benefit, you know, you can physically dance with someone better and give them an enjoyable experience and physically communicate, articulate your ideas of the music to them. So, uh, since I started dancing, I'm like, I could do this on rollerblades. I love rollerblading, and I love the feeling of skating. And now I found, you know, now I've discovered dancing with a partner, and this is an amazing thing, and it's so exciting, and, like, it's such an appealing human activity. Like, it you know, gives me a lot of meaning as a human being. You know, it's like kind of helping me find a way of expressing myself that's deeply satisfying. And I want to do this on rollerblades. And, you know, so I, you know, go and dance on my own to music, and then I get my dance friends to go to Stardust, or it's called Central City. It's the local roller skate rink, and we go around and skate to the music. And, uh, but... I'd never found a culture, like, no one, not many other people were doing this, like, some people would skate around holding hands, but no one tried to pursue excellence in this, or tried to, like, build their skill in this, and until I went to Patterson's West, which is an arena south of Seattle in a city called Federal Way, and uh, I went there and it just blew my mind, because they had a culture 
of roller skate dancing that is kind of like the direct descendant of 150 years of roller skating. Like, these are the roller skaters that are kind of in this culture. Like, rollerblading, aggressive skating is 20 years old. These people are in this culture that's been going on for like 150 years. And they're, they got wicked music, an awesome DJ. Everyone's skating around, jamming. People are dancing in couples. People in the center kind of just dancing on their own. And like, this is like, it's like as intricate as the aggressive inline skating culture. But it's like more human in the sense that it's like, um, something that's appealing to both men and women and it's kind of like a more it's a closer to a basic human experience or a more communal type activity whereas aggressive skating is a more kind of warrior uh young male activity where young men go off to prove themselves whereas the roller skating that i that's a great way to describe it. Patterson's West is like a community feast or celebration where people are getting together and the whole community's celebrating rolling with wheels on their feet. Is celebrating, you know, the art of of having moving feet, having fast feet, and it's like a an area where it's like, wow, people have taken this. And they've worked on it, and they've got this whole like vibe, this whole community, and it's more basically human in the sense that it's kind of tied down to a tradition, and it's something that appeals to both sexes, both genders equally. Right. And 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 it seems to it has, appeal like, to a broader demographic of people in general. Even and more males are drawn to it because, you know, it's something they can do with women. Yeah, like, guys like to do shit that there's girls involved. And guys like to do shit that potentially will get their dick wet. Like, they like to do things that impress the opposite sex and that the opposite sex are there to witness yeah. and care about. Like, that's, that's a big thing. Like, most males okay. want to do things that's going to impress the opposite sex, that's going to impress girls, and eventually going to get their dick in some puss. And the thing is with, uh, yeah, with roller skating at an arena, or rollerblading at an arena, you have more of an opportunity to do that. You know, yeah. you're, you know there's girls there, you can skate with them. And, uh, you know, at a skate park, you're... There is an all male environment, but you have it has its own rewards. You know? Yeah, I really love going to a skate park and skating and just being able to impress people because you know I've worked so hard for such a long time. I can go to a skate park, lay lay down some stuff, you know, throw lay down couple, some mad shit, throw, just throw a couple tricks out there, and then you know you'll impress all the kids that are. You might not impress the skateboarders or something, but you know you. You've worked hard and, you know, it's really satisfying being able to go and skate and do stuff that, you know, to a normal human being and even to yourself in moments of like, 
distancing yourself from your skating. You're like, how do I do that stuff? You know, you're like, yeah, it's really great to be able to go and articulate yourself and to get into that realm where you're like a god, where you have skate power, where you have rollerblade power, where you know it's like lightning bolts come out of your feet and you can manipulate the world through your skates and waves. So, yeah. It's amazing. It's like, it's like, who am I? Like, look what I just did. Like I was just sitting in, you know, a living room drinking tea Mm -hmm. and now I'm like throwing a 720 out of a bank. Like it's really boundary dissolving. It's really psychedelic. It really like puts you in a completely different place and makes you look at the world in such a different way. All or I've sudden, just been it's like, like cleaning up wow. the construction site all day. Yeah. Like, you know, just like doing the lamest job. But now I'm done and I'm throwing on my skates. I don't care how tired I am. I'm going to skate hard and enjoy my freedom and do what I've worked so hard on doing, even if it's never going to make me any money because this is how I want to express myself. And this is where I feel like I express myself so well. And the thing is, Rollerbladers have so much skill and talent. We might as well just take that to areas where we can share, you know, and enjoy it with women and, like, you know, and dance it out. And we just got to, like, lose any sense, not necessarily lose all shame, but we got to definitely be a little bit less shameless, less self-conscious. Yeah. Or more shameless and less self-conscious. You know, why not throw your rollerblades on and go down to a club and dance? Maybe because someone will try to beat the shit out of you. I don't know. but <laughs> That'd be a good reason not to, but probably not. Probably not. People would know, probably be stoked. Like, yeah, especially if you've reached a high, degree, high level of skill and you can, without difficulty, articulate you know, a dance move or whatever, or a pattern of movement that's impressive to people that people like watching. Why not do that? You know, why not say, okay, I'm going to take my rollerblade and my skill to the dance floor and like, because I can do this and, you know, people might look at me and think I'm crazy, but once I, you know, start doing it, people are going to see the skill I have and people are going to see you know, the years of practice and balance and coordination, and they're going to be stoked. They're going to be inspired. Exactly. And I, you know, I'm like, it's like, yeah, the paintball idea, you know, why not play a huge game of paintball or something? There's a lot of ways we can express ourselves under rollerblades that we got to try. We got to just throw out there. Amen, brother. Thank you very much for hanging out, Chris Nima. Thanks. thanks this has for, been sweet uh, listening to you. For feeding me beer and your bromate. Yeah, no problem. This and, has been uh, amazing. I hope I've offended some people out there. and I'm sure you have. Some other people. And yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, some hearing what people have to say about these ideas. and. Yeah, this will be really exciting. Ba 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 
Besides, been three hours of bullshit. We ain't got nothing to say, but you're still listening to us. It don't mean shit. Why are you still wasting your goddamn life listening to us? It's been three hours. It don't mean shit. Go get a job, write your resume on Word, Microsoft Word. Make your resume and go get your ass out there and get a job at Tim Hortons. Go serve coffee, anything but listen to us for three fucking hours, fucking loser. What are you doing with your life? Go get a job, nigga. You're wasting your life. Go make some money. Do something but listen to this stupid podcast. Wasting your life, you fucking loser. Stop listening to this retarded fucking song. It don't even sound good. You could be listening to Tucker Quest or Metallica. Any fucking shit except for this goddamn stupid song. You could be enhancing your mind, but you are wasting your life. Listening to How to be a popular podcast You fucking loser Loser You've been listening to Chris Goddamn Nima Talking bullshit And wasting your life Go do something else Please stop Listening to A stupid podcast Go make some fried eggs, make some toast, put some butter on that toast, put on some jam, drink a beer, get a job, go fucking cut your goddamn hair, you goddamn loser, go get some tail, go get some mess, you could be doing that, instead of listening to the How to Be Unpopular podcast, Fucking wasting your life listening to the How to Be a Popular podcast. A fucking loser. I don't have any respect for you, the listener. You're wasting your life. It's been three fucking hours and you're still wasting your goddamn life listening to the How to Be a Popular podcast. Podcast. It's been the longest ever. How to be a popular podcast. Go do something lots better than listening to the How to be a popular podcast. We're wasting your life. It's been three fucking hours and we're still bullshitting and we don't make no. God damn, since in your life we got nothing valuable to say, and now we're singing louder than before, yeah, we're still singing the song, and you can suck on my seven foot dick, it's all up in your grills, the 
your throat. Yeah, so you hot. can't even breathe. It's a seven foot dick down your throat, you fucking loser. You're still listening to the hurt of You should see how small my car is. You think small cars, small cars are small. When you got a seven foot dick, you're gonna ride a little Hot Wheels around. Oh. There's like drool all over the table. <laughs> that was a pretty good song. That was pretty epic. Oh, we're gonna do like, some. Get some-